The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hello, Bridget. I'm back. What's happening? I had a baby. You had a fucking human. <laughs> you know. made a human in your body. That, it's so crazy. What does it feel like, like pre-making a human, just living a normal life, being a human, to actually, like, what does that transition feel like? A man will never know. I've... Contrary to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you can burn your 500 calories by breastfeeding, Joe. I bet you can. sober October. That's what I learned. I you mean... Pump? Do you pump I do. Or you, yeah. I'm breastfeeding. No, no, I'm still breastfeeding. That's why she's here in Austin with me. Do you, do <laughs> you ever pump hotel. too, though? Do you pump as well? Yeah. The yeah. pump is wild. The pump is wild. My wife used to sit in front of the TV yeah. watching TV with like a cup in each hand. <laughs> <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've probably come a long way since then. Have they? Yeah, you can do, you can like wear them and just go out now. And it just makes? They have little like cups. It's crazy. Little reservoirs? Yeah, the one I have is, um, I think it's called an Eevee, and you can just, it's like, to go, you know, all the stuff, like, for like women is like. a trough under that catches kind of, it? <laughs> they're like around. little, they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're really cool. And you wow. can just be on the go so you're not, you know, chained to, like, the pump like you used to be. Can you hit a pause button yeah. and unscrew it and, like, put it in, like, a freezer bag? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're advanced now. I mean... Oh, God. I've eaten so much humble pie, I think, since I became a mom. Because you have that, like, everyone's like, you'll understand when you're a parent. You'll understand when you have kids. And you're like, ah, oh, shut up. Because it's when you don't, you can't know until you know. You can't know. That's, you can't know. You can't know. That's why it's it's just, it's. I think it's radicalized me, too, more in in many respects. Like, the stuff around kids in our culture right now, I'm I'm like a one single issue person now. I'm like, these kids can't know what they're doing. You can't influence them that way. No. no and it's, it's like, it's not informed consent because you can't know until you know. Right. Especially about having a kid. You can't yeah. know what it's like to breastfeed until you breastfeed. I'm sorry. You can only guess. You can guess. And yeah. I'm sure someday they'll be able to simulate it and nah. have like, ver but it's so, I mean, the whole... Pregnancy was, I had a lot of anxiety. I think it was, I just was so worried about this little human. And I think as a woman, you carry that mostly yourself until the baby comes out. And then if you have a partner, you're sharing some of that, like, oh, I hope they don't die with your partner. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, I would get, I, I used to, I've been on this podcast and said I hate Instagram. Like, I don't even know how many times I became like Instagram addict in pregnancy because at late at night, the like wholesome third trimester content, I was like, this is, this is what I'm here for. Wait, it's so mean? relatable. What's, what's wholesome trimester? Third trimester tr content. Like there's so much pregnancy content on Instagram because it's just an altar to all things basic and it is in when you're pregnant you're like yes that's exactly how I feel I can't so like I can't you, see my vagina <laughs> the algorithm yeah. finds you because you look for it yeah yeah and I fell in love with Instagram and now I'm I'm all I'm all on board do you do TikTok no I won't even put it on my phone good for you yeah. it's Chinese spyware it's Chinese spyware why are we letting people put this on their phones it, it should be banned. 
It's it's not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm with Trump. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not I mean I'm not I'm saying this because I talked to security experts. Yeah. It's fucking dangerous. Yeah. Did you see the thing where what is it called? Bite dance? Yeah. The parent company was uh, specifically looking to use TikTok to target the location of specific American citizens. Yeah. Including probably like Chinese dissidents that have or people oh, that have left. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I've talked to people that are security experts and they explain the whole system of how it works. Yeah. Like they have a super sophisticated system of infiltrating universities and they bring like because we have an open society, right? So because of our open society, they um they send you know, basically employees of the Chinese government to come over here to get educated. Yeah. They get educated and then they infiltrate universities and they find out all of this research that's been going on in whatever category and whatever thing, and then they send all that stuff back to China. Yeah. It's a bit it's 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 fucking wild. It's we we fuel their their progress through innovation that takes place in America. Well, not to mention that it's breaking the brains of all of our youth and turning them I mean, into TikTok pudding. Is, yeah. TikTok. And yeah. not to mention that you have kids who now want to become TikTok stars instead of like going into STEM. You know, yeah. they're like, China's like, great, let's let's make all these young girls successful on TikTok and make it seem like a dream for all of the society <laughs> that these kids can attain. Well, I want to be a true, TikTok star. This is like OnlyFans designed by Russia. I don't know. Because like that is fucking up a lot of people. I don't, I've never, it's funny being me who was like always posting nudies online before OnlyFans existed <laughs> just for fun and for free and now OnlyFans is this thing and I haven't even like I've never even been on it I don't even know I don't even know what's on there I was having a conversation about this with a friend of mine the other day and he was saying like that th he has friends that have girlfriends and wives that are on OnlyFans and because they're making extraordinary amounts of money like it's really hard to not do it anymore. Right. So like if you're getting, you know, some, you know, we we talked about this before. Like the average person is not making much, but right. some some of these gals that develop these big Instagram pages where they have like a million Instagram followers, they're making tens of thousands of dollars every month. Right. On on OnlyFans, and so then they get in a relationship, and you know it's a serious relationship. But you know you're fingering yourself on. <laughs> This fucking platform for strangers. <laughs> it's like, where does that end? And what, okay, if you have a child, do you back off them? But well, honey, we need money. You know, I yeah, mean, it's no big yeah. deal. You know, my fans are cool. They realize that I'm taken and I'm a mom. And like, it's a, I am all for freedom, right? I'm all for you being able to do whatever you want to do. But everything comes with a price. Of course. And that thing comes with a weird price because it's, you're selling intimacy like the, the photo is a woman alone in a bedroom yeah or a video is a woman alone in a bedroom with like ankle socks and, and a fucking you know a, a jersey on with a little baby underwear that she's pulling to the side like what what is that like who's there like who's taking this photo like, i mean is this for is this you are you pretending that this is for you like this it's a weird little relationship that you have for these people that pay to subscribe. I would be a full of shit hypocrite if I didn't 
address the fact that I've okay so I started posting nudes online for free right and then people started demanding them and I was just posting them because I thought it was funny mostly because it made comedians mad on Twitter that I was using nudity to get followers and I just thought it was hilarious because I'm like I was like a trickster I'm like whatever but wait who who would get mad at that people were just getting mad that like not important people just people were like oh this this girl is like I'm like who cares but it was funny to me and it was amusing and then people started demanding them and then patreon came around and then you can have different levels on patreon and one of my levels was not like vagina pictures but pictures of my boobs and my butt and i was like who wants to pay for 40 year old titties (laughs) (laughs) no one Someone. You could get them for free. Yeah, but people but will people pay. paid. Yeah, and I thought it was it was and like you said, it gave me insight into this relationship because I was everybody's very respectful first of all, and they were paying for my writing and all this other stuff, and it it got weird definitely where I was like, what? I don't want to get addicted to the money doing this right. because. I, I'm doing it for fun. Like, it was something yeah. that I started doing. I never wanted to feel like I had to do it. And I ended up um, just, I just shifted away from doing it. I just, like, naturally evolved out of it. But I was making pretty good money. <laughs> yeah. But I still don't understand it, but it gave me a lot of insight. And I just, like, it, I would be, I know that if I did not address this, people would be like, that girl used to send pictures of her butt on the internet. Well, I'm glad you addressed it then. <laughs> It's it's just a strange little outlet. And look, I'm all for people capitalizing and using, you know, finding different ways to make money. That's not the issue that I have. I don't even have an issue with it. I'm all for you doing it. But I'm just saying, like, for a person that's in a relationship or a person that one day is going to be a mom or a person, yeah. you know, like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, How am I going to explain this? Right. I mean, it's out there. Well, I think you explain it by being yourself. Like, you're a good person. You you you'll You'll be honest with your kid. It's like it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not even no, a bad thing. I did it only because mostly because people started demanding them and getting entitled and I was like, <laughs> "Now you bastards are going to have to pay." And it it was never something like I'm going to do this if I don't want to. And then naturally, I grew up, I got into a relationship and like even my husband will get it online. People will be like, "Do you know your wife's boobs are online?" He's like, "They are?" <laughs> <laughs> Of course he knows, and he knew that this was, and he never, like, pressured me not to, but I didn't want to anymore, because, like I said to my friend once, I was like, why are people paying for this? And he's like, there are a lot of lonely people in the world, Bridget. And there are. There are also a lot of people that get obsessed with other people, right? Yeah. They read your writing, they like the way you think, they get kind of obsessed with your mind. Yeah. They pretend they're in a relationship with you. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I had a lot of insight into it, though, and they... And it really, I mean, we were laughing hysterically about this the other day because an email mail came through and this guy was like, can you, can Bridget please take some nice high resolution pictures of her butthole? <laughs> high resolution. Yeah. Yeah. So Apparently that's s- a big request on the OnlyFans. They Is want it? butthole photos. Oh God. See, I never. Actual butthole. Part of the reason that I started putting nudes online is be, and I've written about this for Playboy, and I think it's like one of the few articles that's still up on Playboy of my hundred that were there. And it was why I get naked online or why I post nudes online. And part of it was I was like real early to sending nudies. 
I I would take a picture with a digital camera, upload it to my computer, and then send them via email to guys. I mean, I was probably like 23 when this beca- the technology became because I thought it was fun and flirty. And then I realized like, oh, shit, this is out there. And I didn't want anybody to have like the power over me that they could hold that over my head ever. Even though I was a nobody, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, but what? I didn't want anyone to be able to hold it over me. And so I just started, I, I mean, since like 2006, when I started my website, I was posting greeting cards that I made with nude pictures of mine on there. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being nude. There's nothing wrong with posting pictures of nude. <laughs> what, what, you said uh, Playboy took, did they take some of your articles down? Yes, and I had, I mean, I had written, you know, I you posted one of my early pieces, actually, the um, women date assholes because you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> still one of my favorite things I've ever written. And it, that's still up there. The one about getting nude is up there. But then most, I did, like, some of the work I did for them, I was very proud of. And I turned into more of a journalist working for them. My first editor, Joe Donatelli, I used to be like, I'm not a journalist, I'm an opinion writer. He's like, all good opinion writers are journalists. And I was, I like, I went to a free the nipple thing. This was kind of when things started evolving. And I was, like, all about freeing the nipple, so I thought. And I went, I was supposed to go cover this rally. And... That I get there, and this very young girl is, like, barely legal. Like, maybe turned 18 the day before the rally. <laughs> and she's kind of running this free-the-nipple thing with a lot of her young friends at, on the beach in Santa Monica. And suddenly, I went in being like, yeah, I'm going to be all for this. And then there was this pervert on the beach, and he was there with, like, a digital camera, which was my first red flag. And because this was, you know... It was just creepy. And he was taking pictures of them. And all of a sudden I was like, put your clothes on, ladies. <laughs> like, <laughs> there are perverts everywhere. <laughs> like, there's a pedophile over there. So it's, And it changed my, suddenly I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Do you think it's just like girls that just want attention, but they don't know what that means? These girls didn't, this girl, at least the one who was in charge, was so... She was so interesting and just like she was like a radical feminist, just a young radical feminist who was like, men can have their nipples out. Why can't women? And they can be free on the beach. Why can't we? And so she was just, I think, pushing for more equality in her mind. And and I I understood that, you know, I, I don't think it was for her like about getting she didn't strike me as that kind of person, at Mm. least when I met her. And it was it was just um, it was a very strange scene. And I suddenly and I left it and I went back to my editor and I was like, I have no idea how I feel about this anymore. And he's like, good. That means you're a journalist. That's what journalists should do. Go in with maybe some feeling of how they think and gather information that might change their mind. That is really journalism. And that is actually an important opinion piece because you went in with this one idea and then seeing the reality of the situation made you alter your perceptions. Yeah, I mean, even having, even having now being breastfeeding and being a mom and and being somebody who's just been like my body was a vanity project. I was like, oh, this has utility. <laughs> <laughs> utility. That's, like these yeah. things, 
They have a purpose. It is kind of <laughs> wild that that's the reason why we're attracted to them. Yeah. That we're attracted to them because of the fact that they have utility. And the uh, women that have more... Uh, you know, traditionally sexually attractive bodies are more, they're more likely to breed. Yeah. They're more, they're, they're more, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Fuckable. No, I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're like, viable. Viable? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever, whatever, word, whatever word we use, it's, yeah. it's going to be. It's going to be a problem. But it make the, tra- you know, like the narrow hips the or the, yeah. the narrow waist, the large hips. It's all so you could give ba- babies better. You give yeah. birth better. Yeah. It's weird how all that stuff works. I don't have breeding hips. My 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 child came out as as writer and thinker and hilarious. Mary Harrington calls it. Um, she came out of the sunroof. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, imagine being uh, a person without breeding hips that was born. Uh, you would have died. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another thing. Childbirth is still very dangerous. I was not one of those like I'm gonna have a pool and go have my baby in the moonlight all mm. by myself with a doula and like that. I I admire women who do that because they are they have some ability to just block out fear or something. It's just like I don't I don't know. There are women who are just so good at the the home births and the home birth is weird because if something goes sideways. Woo. Yeah. I mean it's terrifying to me. Yeah, you want to be around people that have a lot of kids come out of vaginas on a weekly basis <laughs> and they're really good at it. And I know so many women who have had home home births and they were completely fine and they had their their baby and but I just I was in um I was I think I was really affected when I was in Dublin. I was in this it was like a big grave cemetery and there were all these like it was like a dead kid area basically babies that died in birth in childbirth from oh, wow. and there were just thousands of them. There's a whole portion of the cemetery devoted to this and a lot of the pe- moms too died and a lot of the names were Bridget. My friend was like, is this making you uncomfortable? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm just another dead Bridget. It's like weirdly, just like another soon-to-be-dead Bridget. It's well, that part of the world. That name's pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. but it, was, it really struck me how far we've come yeah. in terms of making childbirth safe. And I think it's like a lot of things. The reason you think you don't need a measles vaccine is because— we don't have the measles anymore and kids aren't dying of the measles. And the reason home births are probably rising in popularity is because people don't die in childbirth as often as they did. Well, it's the same reason why people like like reclaimed wood paneling on the walls. <laughs> they want to they want to like go back to the oldie days in their head. Do you, you want to go back to the oldie <laughs> I days? Know. I just think the way it looks good. It does but, look good. But there's a thing about it. It's totally. like you're trying to pretend you live in a barn. <laughs> <laughs> You know? Yeah, I mean... It's like, I want organic everything, and I want, you know, it's like, there's this thing. I want hand-pressed butter. You yeah. Know, I want hand-churned this, and, you know, it's... We we, we have, like, this... Uh, <laughs> like, but I don't want to press it. I don't, <laughs> don't want to have to, like, actually churn it. We have this, like, <laughs> idealistic view of the past. Yeah. And of, uh, you know, natural, air quotes, yeah. things. Yeah. And there is something to be said for it, sure. but it was very time-consuming. People are getting, like, their their churned butter, like, postmated to them now. <laughs> but even, like, a natural birth in a bathtub, I'm like, listen, let's be real. 
when people first had babies, they shit them out in a cave floor, okay? <laughs> like, the, the technology of a bathtub yeah. would lend to safer births. Like, and, you know, you could take that one step further and go to the fucking hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I went to the hospital. So go to the hospital. Please, yeah. kids. Imagine doing... Uh, I don't know. Some people, you're going to get a lot of pushback on that because there's a whole... I know. There's home, a whole movement. A home, home birth, birth movement. movement. And yeah. it's... But when you actually, like, I went down the rabbit hole of the numbers, and when you look at the actual statistics, I'm like, do these people not look at the statistics? I think it's like 50% of them end up going to a hospital. Yeah. The ones, because so so much can... It's so much can go wrong. I think first you first feel the vagina tear pain, Ugh. and you're like, "Is there a way the you can stop this from happening?" The that's, ring of fire. That's what they call it. That's the ring of fire when the baby's crowning. <sighs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy, and I I you know, there's so much pressure too. I think like you're less of a woman if you. It's weird. If you get the pain. Killers. No, if you get the painkillers, or if you get a, a cesarean. Oh, you know, God. because really, yeah, there's there's this, there's like a lot of competition, I think, in the in the it's a weird, you know, like my birth was more re- natural than your birth out there. And I think there's a lot of pressure on women to try and have as natural of a birth as they possibly can. And many women go into with their birthing plan. My OBGYN laughed at me because I was like, my birthing plan is me and the baby live through the birth. <laughs> like that's it. He's like, honestly, that's the best birthing plan to have. But so many people go in with a, a birthing plan is a thing now, and they go in and they're like, I don't want any drugs. And like four hours, and they're like, Give me the drugs! <laughs> Give me the fucking drugs! I don't think you could possibly imagine what that pain is like. I guess until you experience it. I have a lot of friends who have gone bareback with no <laughs> painkiller. And just, Rugged women. Yeah, they're and they actually most of them are from the Midwest. Like they're they're my friends hardy. from Minnesota. They're hardy. <laughs> they're just badass in that way. I just know myself. I I know my mom had five C sections. So wow, what is that like after the fifth one? I don't even know. What's if that road look like? They'll let you. Yeah, I don't know if they'll even let you do that anymore. I'm not sure. Well, how would they stop you I don't know how they'd stop that. you, but... Because you can't have vaginal birth after you have a C-section, Well, right? you Just... can. It's called a VBAC. It's a vaginal birth after cesarean. And so you nowadays, you can. And women are often do. They when go, did that change? Pretty recently, I think. And it was like a lot of the thinking around it changed that you don't have to... It's One cesarean doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a cesarean. I think it... A lot of it depends on, like, how long ago you had your cesarean. Um, Whether it's all healed up? Yeah, yeah. Does How does your, your abdominal area feel? Um, does it feel like it got cut open? Well, because they move the muscles. Yeah. So there's definitely some weakness. I've been just trying to—I started doing kind of, like, core rehab right away just because I knew— uh, my, it would go into my back carrying around the baby, and a lot of people I know have just back issues after cesareans. And it definitely feels like, especially like the lower abs, they just, I have a harder time engaging them. And it feels weaker, obviously. It was six months ago. So, um, if, and I have a scar. She was big. She was a, she was, she was like almost nine pounds. She came out like, wow! Nine pounds is. That's a that's a solid dumbbell. 
She's yeah. She's a. How much did you have like, if you uh, if you look at your uh, like the baby's nine pounds, and then how much other stuff is in there? What's the the weight of all the you know the placenta and yeah. everything? Apparently, my placenta was like abnormally big too. <laughs> he was like, "Good job." The placenta was huge. And Does that mean you're healthy? I don't know. I maybe. I mean, I'm forty. I had a baby of forty three years old. <laughs> And I want to be clear. That's the buzzer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm convinced it was like the last egg. Um, I want to be very clear that it was a miracle because I think people will hear my story and they'll be like, "Oh, I can wait." No, don't wait. Don't wait. Even if you get your eggs frozen, even if it's still so much harder the older you get. Not to mention, if you look at the numbers for chromosomal abnormalities, it all goes exponentially up the older you get. And men need to know that it goes up for their sperm as well. Mm. It's not simply the woman's age. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was 49. He was thinking about having a kid. He's like, oh, you know, it's really more important that the girl's younger. I go, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. You need to read. Like, like, (laughs) like, 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 there's issues when men are older and they start having children. Yeah. And as you get in your 50s and 60s, and, and there's guys out there having babies in their fucking 70s. I know. We could make Jagger. I know. He shot a live one in there a couple of years ago. I know. But he's Mick Jagger. He seems like he's pretty youthful. Do you know he's the same age as Biden? <laughs> he's out there dancing and doing yeah. splits. We saw him at CODA at the Circuit of the Americas here. Uh-huh. The, the Stones were there. It was It's crazy. It was like a psychedelic experience. Like I was like it was I was like I was on drugs. I was sitting there watching. I can't believe they're there. That's really Mick Jagger. That's really Keith Richards. They did sell their souls to the devil. <laughs> well, they're old as fuck. I mean, they look seventy nine. Yeah. But I mean, it's just knowing the history of the Rolling Stones so crazy. and what they've gone through and to see them out there still touring. He works out every day. He has two trailers that are just his his workout equipment. Have you ever seen the Rolling Stone art exhibit that was going around? I think maybe like, I don't know, I feel like it was 2016. It was in London. Then it came to the States. It's amazing. It takes you through their whole history. And those guys were selling out stadiums in the 70s. Yeah. In the, I mean, I think. 50 fucking years ago. Who is it that has, Mulaney, I think, has that great bit about Mick Jagger where, and he talks about just how, how can you be normal i mean i i love your stadium videos and i was like how how are you normal after that but how are you normal if you're mick jagger i don't know 50 years of that of... but i think that becomes your normal well of course like anything that's all it is like yeah mick jagger was in austin he went to bars and shit yeah. and played pool and was eating pizza amazing it's like out there doing normal shit he's so T- took photos put it on his instagram <sighs> He's... I'm here at the pub. <laughs> yeah, like he's just like going out. He has so much vitality, though. Yeah. He really is. I mean, I understand him having a, a shooting a live one out at seventy because he seems virile to me. You know, he's got that kind of look at that. It's insane. Look at that. That's insane. That's I saw them when I was in high school, which was over twenty years ago, and they were old then. That's in seventy-five. Yeah. So that is where is that in Cleveland? Is that yeah. what it said, Jamie? Yeah, Cleveland. What is the uh, arena? Uh, it's like a baseball. I mean, it's, it's for the Indians and the Browns played back then. Look how many fucking people are in the crowd. Look at the floor. I know. Just the floor. It's ants. That's got to be 100,000 people, right? That's crazy. Doesn't, doesn't it look like 100,000 people? And that's yeah. in 75. Wow. Wow. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And every, like, 20 years he upgrades and gets a new wife. 
<laughs> That's what you can do when you're Mick Jagger. Oh, we've had a good run. <laughs> yeah, look at that fucking crowd. No, 81. it's crazy. And they're wow. still so good. Yeah. Oh, the show they put on was phenomenal. It yeah. was phenomenal. I'm sure. And then we, we hung out with Roger Waters. Like, Roger Waters came, and then we saw him in, in Austin. Holy shit, is his show good. Yeah. It was absolutely the best live show I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. It's incredible. What made it the best live the show? The visuals oh, okay. that go with the performance. He has these enormous screens. And he's the only guy I've ever seen that can successfully integrate an, a real message mm. in with his music that coincides with the music and enhances the experience, you don't feel like you're getting preached to. Because that is really who that man is. Right. And his songs, these brilliant songs that, you know, span decades, he sings them and has this band play them while these immense visuals. And I, I was told that it was the largest, heaviest stage set in the world. Wow. It's insane. Do you have photos from that? Wow. It's Fucking wild when you see the visuals and Does Roger he... Waters at after every show gets a flash drive and he eats and then he goes back to his room. He puts the flash drive in his computer. He watches the performance and he tweaks it. Wow. He changes the words. He changes the visuals. So like these those are all screens wow. all across the top of it. And. It, there's, it's like a plus sign, you know, like, yeah. and so all around it are screens. So everywhere you are, you see these immense screens that have these visuals that go with like comfortably numb wow. and whatever song they're playing, wish you were here. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> I thought it would just be like the Wizard of Oz playing. <laughs> <laughs> he says that's just total cosmic coincidence. Wow. Isn't okay. that crazy that the... The Dark Side of the Moon, like, if you sync it up with The Wizard of Oz, you would swear that it was designed that way. But it's not. It's just yeah. a cosmic coincidence. I grew up listening to this. God, I would just get so stoned. Yeah, you. if you went to see that, you'd feel like you were stoned, even if you were sober. Yeah, that's like um, Tool. Have you ever been to a Tool show? No, I haven't. They have amazing amazing visuals on their shows. I mean, it's it's crazy. I had I think Maynard I... on on Monday. Oh, really? Yeah. He's uh. a trip. He is such a trip. He's such a unique guy. Yeah. He came in uh, two and a half hours before the podcast <laughs> and did jiu-jitsu. Oh, cool. So he came in. We brought John Donaher, who's like the best jiu-jitsu instructor in the world, who lives here in Austin, and they went over the final points of triangle chokes. Oh, wow. In In my gym. While we were waiting to go do a podcast. That's so cool. <laughs> I, I have to listen to that one. Yeah, that that was one of the trippiest, most amazing visual. I still remember that show. It just, like, blew yeah. my mind what they were doing visually. Well, he's, you know, he's an artist. You yeah. Know, he's a guy that, like, goes over every detail of everything. And, yep. You know. I think music is so transcendent. It is. I, it's my, I, of all the arts. I love all of the arts. And F all of these kids who are gluing themselves to freaking classic art pieces. <laughs> yeah, well, they're gluing themselves to the wall and throwing soup on the plastic. Someone glued themselves to the actual painting the other day. The Another girl one? with the pearl earring, yeah. Wait, where was this? Um, where Where is that painting? I just was reading about it on the way over here. They should start here. hacking arms off. <laughs> that would stop that. I was like, get Mo, all of them. Just put a tourniquet around their forearm. 
uh, climate protester glues his head to girl with a pearl earring. Oh yeah, painting. hey, that's right. That okay? Oh yeah. my god! I mean, he glued his head to the painting, and I'm not sure if this is true. So maybe fact check me on this, Jamie. But I also heard that somebody who's funding all of these is one of the grandchildren of the Gettys, which makes it even more hilarious if this is true. Oh, who knows what? How much funding is involved in crazy glue? That's an oil family. <laughs> Like if yeah, but that, I'm saying it's crazy so glue. Funny. No, I know. I mean, but how much funding is involved? But they're they're climate activists. All these people. So it's just a it's. A... Getty Oil Fortune heiress helped fund climate activists who have target artworks and museums. How it's hilarious oh. to me. Like you are rich because of oil. <laughs> That's she looks what... like the type of person who'd fund that. <laughs> she looks angry. She's Maybe she was angry she, to be born to like into does such wealth. Does she have a wealth. biohazard tattoo on her left arm? Yeah. Uh, oh Christ! It does say biohazard. Oh my God! <laughs> There's just something. You see what they did at the Porsche Museum? Where they were like mad that they didn't get buckets to poop in? No, they they glued themselves to the floors, yeah. and the Porsche people just shut the lights off and left the place. <laughs> Fuck off. I thought one of the guys was mad. Maybe yeah. this was another place. No, they, they they couldn't go to the bathroom. Yeah. They wanted somewhere to go to the bathroom. <laughs> they supposed Look to... at that. <laughs> Glued themselves to the Porsche Museum but needed to go potty. Staff simply left, turning off heat and lights rather than calling the police. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you, Porsche. It's so fucking dumb. It's like we're we, uh, we keep starting the conversation. Like the conversation's already happening. We shouldn't even be giving them attention, yeah. honestly. No, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's a symbol of this TikTok generation. Yeah, it's, it's a symptom of all this nonsense that you're seeing constantly online. These people, they're trying to get attention with the least amount of work possible. Yeah, I'm like, go clean up a beach. Yeah. Yeah. Do something productive. If you care about the climate, I'm always screaming about this. Like, get a bunch of, organize an international clean up the beach day. Take pictures of all the garbage that you collect. Yeah. All over the world. Post TikToks about it. I could I can be an activist. Let me at but do something. Yeah. It would be it would be really it would be moving to see how much garbage is on the beach. The girls who threw the uh, soup at the Van Gogh, they went on Patrick Bet David's podcast. And uh, he he's a brilliant guy. And he asked them, uh, may I ask what your pronouns are? And she said her pronouns are she, he, they. I, I don't understand. You don't have to. That's perfect. It's perfect. That's nonsense. I don't understand. You're, you're she, he, and you're a they. So you're plural, <laughs> you're masculine, and you're feminine. You're, you're basically a god. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't get it, though. Funky. You don't have to get it. They're 20-year-old kids. Get it. They just want attention, and they're so happy they're getting attention because they think they're fixing the world oh. by gluing themselves to the wall. I would agree, except it's all been institutionalized. Like, people have to put this in their corporate, you know, emails that they're sending to you. They have to, the, the like, there's policy being written in Europe about energy because of Greta, there's the. It's not like, oh, look at these crazy kids and their crazy ideas, and, and it's somehow being captured by the, they're capturing institutions. Well, it's the the thing du jour, right? It's the thing that Current people are. Thingism. Yeah, it's the thing that people are told they have to concentrate on now. But it, there's still there's still policies and stuff that are yes. So yes. it's still having real life ramifications. Oh, it's, having, it's not like we're like, oh, those crazy kids. 
it, it is having real life, but but it also there's, there's overcorrections and then there's balances, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, a guy that I'm going to talk to that is uh, covering cobalt mining, mm. and cobalt mining is horrific. I know it is horrific, and I it know. is in all of our electronics. It's I like know. one of the things that I've been saying about all these people that are tweeting about injustices on the world. They're doing it on a phone that was made by slaves. Yeah, like if you go down as far as you can go. To find like what's like what's the source of the stuff that is in the phone that makes it work? It's yeah. it's sourced by slavery. All these electric vehicle batteries too. Yeah. I mean, what are we gonna do with all of, and all the technological waste? What do we we just like take computers and what what do you do with your old computer? Well, what do you do with all? There's a lot. There's a lot to do. Like I I would imagine that this is an opportunity for someone to innovate and come up with a way to recycle that stuff and use it in a way. But then I was reading about recycling the other day. I went, I went down a rabbit hole the other day because I was talking, I was uh, reading about um, birds that are swallowing like bottle caps and stuff like that. Okay, it's it's yeah. a giant issue. Yeah. And so then I went on a rabbit hole of seagulls and what cunt seagulls are. Yeah. And seagulls swallowing rabbits and swallowing other birds. And so seagulls are monsters. No, they are. They're fucking monsters. A seagull on the beach out east swept down and took my cousin's sandwich out of her hand while she was eating it. This is a true story. That's, that's <laughs> little. They'll eat your kid. If your kid was small enough, they'd swallow your kid. I mean, they're, they're literal not. opportunist monsters. Yeah. You know, the, the worst is pelicans. Pelicans swallow seagulls. They okay. swoop down. They take a whole seagull. And go, oh, oh, oh. They look like dinosaurs. They are dinosaurs. Yeah. They, they, they are. Whenever you're on the beach and you see them flying by, they look like pterodactyls, like little ones. Yeah, they're they're spooky animals, but they're also also awesome. Um, so then I went down this rabbit hole of recycling, mm-hmm. and do you know that like it's it's somewhere in the neighborhood of five percent of plastic gets recycled, even though you say recycled. Yeah, like you put it in a recyclable bin. How much actually gets recycled? Very very little of it. One of the first articles I ever read in the New York Times Magazine back when it was. Good. I was in high school, and it, there was a whole article about how recycling is basically bullshit. Yeah, it's basically bullshit. It's, I mean, it could work, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It could work if you could get all the plastic, and there was some sort of a like financially feasible way to gather it all up and process it and reuse it. It can be done. Right. I mean, um, th- there's that project that they're doing with the uh, Pacific Garbage Patch where they're scooping up all that stuff and they're converting it into plastic that they use for items. Like you can buy like uh, eyeglasses that were made, the plastic frames and everything were made with the recycled plastic. So you can, which is cool that they're doing that. And then they're actually, there's like a way to make it financially viable. But overall, most of the plastic, single use plastic, like bottles, water bottles and stuff like that, it's not being like recycled. <laughs> yeah, we stopped using water bottles here. We we just we have the a water filter now, and then we have these steel cups. And I'm contributing, man. I'm glad. But meanwhile, I drove an electric car. And, I mean, you know, and that's not providing. You know, it's not putting out bad emissions, but it's also it's like where's the batteries coming from? I always think of Thomas Sowell and his like famous quote: "There are there aren't solutions, there are trade offs." And if you start evaluating everything from that perspective, you can I feel like get to more helpful solutions when you know that you're evaluating the trade offs. Yeah, no, Thomas Sowell is brilliant. Yeah, he really is brilliant. But I just apply that, you know, to life often where it's like, okay, we're trying to make a decision. Sure. And there's going to be some trade-offs. But people don't like trade-offs, right? They like binary things. This is good. (laughs) This is bad. 
You know, it's like abortion is the perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. It is one of those what I call uh, it's a messy human issue. Like I am 100 percent in favor of a woman's right to choose. However, when you get to like late term, it gets real weird. It gets very like Bill Burr has a fucking I amazing bit it. about it's it. It's brilliant. It's, it's an amazing bit. He's Bill is brilliant. That's the best bit on abortion <laughs> I've ever cake. seen. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a good bit, and it's it's highlighting exactly what it is. It's like it's a complex issue, and like Soul says, it's there's trade offs. It's not as simple as like you should be able to do this, and you should no one should tell you to do that. Yes, you're right, but what about this thing? Roe v. Wade changed the day I had this woman, Ines Stepman, on my podcast, and she's brilliant and very, she's a lawyer, so she has a legal mind. And she and I had a really interesting discussion about it. And just, she said, you know, if this is morally complex, this issue, and if you're not kind of confused and torn about it, you're not really thinking deeply about it. And I do think with the late-term abortions, it's usually horrific instances when they have— it's usually, like, it's a very small percentage, and it's usually something horrible and tragic. Yes, like, the mom doesn't— usually. I need somebody—because whenever people say, no, people are doing this in the ninth month, I'm like, okay, I, I need an example of somebody doing this before— before I'm just like, oh, my God, people are making this decision. But he, I always thought— I always thought I had Chris Williamson on my podcast and he asked me if my views on abortion had changed since I had a kid. But I think my views had been changing kind of prior, not changing necessarily, but I always thought it was three months growing up. I don't know why I thought this. I thought it was three months. And then I learned pretty late. It's embarrassing that it was like five months in a lot of places and some places, you know, no limits. And I'm definitely squishy about that. I had a friend uh, in New York, and he was kind of fucked up. He was he was just a mess, like m a lot of mental health issues, and he was all over the place. He could never get his life together. He was like really depressed, and was like always like falling apart and trying to get himself back together again, and just always a mess. And his girlfriend got pregnant, and uh, she was pretty far along, and he convinced her to get an abortion. Ooh. It was when you can get a late term abortion. I mean, she was pregnant. I mean, she was showing, Yeah. you know, I don't know how many months, but it was quite a few months and she was horrified by it. She didn't want to do it. And he kind of forced her into doing it or talked her into doing it. And, and then later they wound up having kids, uh, which is even crazier. Right? Well, it's that's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. Cause it's, I, I mean, this was in the the nineties, early nineties. I don't know what the laws were then or what you were allowed to do or not allowed to do, but it was, he was, he was just so fucked up at the time I mean I think he's better now but he's just he had a really bad childhood like physically abused yeah. and he was just a mess and he just didn't want to deal with the responsibility and he didn't think he could deal with it and you know that's but then again like should you <sighs> so you're you're pro-choice I'm 100% pro-choice yeah. but I'm also aware that there's people like that yeah. Where it's, I mean, that is the rarity, right? I'm it, not it saying it's rare. the norm. I'm not saying there's a bunch of people that are hoping yeah, they're that like, they, nah, yeah. dur, 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 no. don't want to do this. No. It's, I'm 100% pro-choice. First of all, I am a man, and I do not think that it is my right to tell anyone what they can and can't do with their body. Yeah. But I don't think that 
that I don't think that it's clear at what point in time it becomes morally morally reprehensible. But there becomes a time where it is. Yeah. I, I mean, and I feel like it's different for everyone. Yeah. You know, there's because pro I understand the pro-life argument. I like completely if, I do you, too. if you believe it starts at conception and they like in that bit, you're kind of interrupting a process yeah. that would take place naturally. I understand. Um, I feel like I've become, I guess, like and I think honestly, most Americans are pretty squishy on it. Like in the first three months, they're like, OK, because so much goes wrong anyway. It's why people don't even talk about being pregnant a lot of the time right. for the first trimester. Right. But then after that, the support for it drastically goes down. So as viability goes up on all of the polls, the like, support for the abortion kind of goes down because it's, I think now the late, the, they kept baby, they're keeping babies alive that are like 21 weeks, I think is the youngest. I'm not 100%. I know that they're, that's like five months. Yeah. I mean, it was weird. The abortion ban in Texas, the six week heart ban came down when I was six weeks pregnant and heard my daughter's heartbeat. And what was your thought? It was fucked up. It was definitely like a weird mind fuck right. where I was like, ah. Yeah. Because. Yeah. It's fucked up. You know what else is fucked up? You know, we've talked about this before, but there was a um, when abortion, well, abortion was first made legal in this country or readily available. There was a, a direct correlation 18 years later with a decrease in violent crime. You know, and Malcolm oh, Gladwell's yeah. talked about this. And so Freakonomics, I think, did uh, something about this, too, yeah. those guys. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where it's like, whew, like, should you force people to have a child? Well, and, and then, you know, what are you doing when you're doing that? Like, is that detrimental to society? Is it detrimental to those people's lives? You know, and then... And then here's the big one for me, like what when people say that you should never get an abortion, what about those instances where the woman's life is in danger? Yeah. No, I is, hate that. That is crazy. Or like incest and rape. Right. Like right, you're right. gonna force somebody to do this that seems cruel too. And this is what this is what um Ines and I were talking about was like there's two you know, you're balancing the liberty of the mother versus the life of this yeah. unborn child it's not it's messy it's messy it's really messy it is messy and it's definitely she believes like kicking it down to the states is a victory for federalism she's like this should always be you know if there's a state where because w many women are pro-life if there's a state where people are voting for this and and that's what the people want in their state versus another state then that should be the that is the will of the people in that state which she thinks is a win for democracy but it is a fascinating thing that we're doing here this experiment in self-democracy where you or, or self-government uh, where you do have options where there's different states that do yeah. have different laws that, that apply to almost everything um that applies to drugs that applies to you know so many different things you can do and not do like for the longest time montana didn't have a speed limit yeah <laughs> <laughs> They're like, who gives a fuck? Just, it's Montana. Yeah, but they had to. I think federally they had to change it at one point in time to get yeah. to get funding. Yeah. But I remember uh, that a friend of mine used to register his cars in Montana. Like, there's 
Because <laughs> it's like I think if you buy land in Montana, you could just like register cars out there, and you know they're basically you could do wild shit out there. You saw a lot of people move with their feet in the pandemic. A hundred percent. I mean, we yes. like me. Yeah. You yeah. had the option. You were yeah. like, I don't like what's happening with the policies and mandates not even voted on here, and I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. And lots of people did that. Well, I'm I'm not a big believer that things always get better. I'm a, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist, and I'm, I'm you know, I grew up kind of without a, a lot of stability. I, so, I think we're very similar. Yeah, so I, I see danger coming, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. You guys <laughs> yeah. can stay if you want. I hear wolves. Yeah. And and some people are like, wolves are my friends. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, listen. Excuse me, they identify as. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I think it's great that we have these options as opposed to a place like Australia where mm-hmm. you were fucked. Mm-hmm. Like you, you had to obey the land, the law of the land, and now we're finding out that law of the land was based on bullshit. Canada. Yeah, Canada was the worst. Still. You know, and did you see that woman from Alberta that is, uh, she's a politician and she's talking about uh, the, the deal that they made with the World Economic Forum? She's like, what the fuck are we doing? doing with the world economic why are we doing that i want to get out of that yeah all that that stuff seems so crazy to me a lot of it i but it's it is such a, a blessing in this country that you're able to yes t- to see that i i think that we were i was just talking with a driver on the way over here about how like some things are so instinctually gr- ingrained in us and during the pandemic and unrest people were like i need land <laughs> yeah land land i and need then, land and i need to grow my own food yeah and bread yeah. everybody was making bread yeah this well, is some like ancient shit that gets triggered. You're like, I need land and bread and food and dig my well deeper so that I have water. Yeah. Duncan sent me a photograph during the pandemic of the meat aisle at the supermarket that he goes to yeah. in like Silver Lake. And there was nothing in yeah. it. There was nothing in it except like vegan meat. Yeah. There's stacks of vegan meat. But <laughs> My husband was working at Trader Joe's through yeah. the whole pandemic almost. And mm. he would send me pictures. And he was like, this is a really good experiment in what we shouldn't be stocking at Trader Joe's anymore. <laughs> 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 yeah. Because it was just like the things that were left over, like chocolate hummus. I didn't even know they had it. It's, I don't think they do anymore. Well, you know, people, they, they buy that stuff because they think it's healthy. And they're, they're being hoodwinked. That shit is the, the seed oils is what's in that stuff. Seed oils are some of the worst fucking things your body can consume. And what? Seed oils and those vegan patties and vegan oh. beef and all. There's so many products that have seed oils in them. And there's another rabbit hole I've been going down oh, lately Jesus. about seed oils. Paul Saladino sent me something that that uh, there's uh, some sort of a... Here, I'll send it to you, Jamie, so we can parse through this. But there's some sort of a correlation between uh, seed oils and macular degeneration. Look, it causes inflammation, and inflammation is fucking terrible for you no matter what. And they're, they're not designed. They were initially made, and this is something uh, that we um, – Max uh, – how do you say his last name? Lugaver? How do you say it? Like oh, even sunflower say, yeah. seed oil? Sunflower seeds terrible for you. But don't they use this like in other cultures all over the world? Yes, it's terrible for you. All that stuff was initially invented as industrial oil to like lubricate machines. Mm. Like grapeseed oil, fucking terrible for you. All that stuff is terrible for you. Here, uh, dietary fatty acids, uh, macular degeneration. Here, I'll send this to you, Jamie. Um, they, uh, is your thing on? Your airdrop on? Here it is. 
they're they're not designed for human consumption. Like for for you to be able to get oil out of grape seeds, there's there's this horrible process. Like it was really it was like okay, we have these leftover seeds. What should we do with them? And like, oh, well, we can take them through this crazy process and extract oil from them. Uh-huh. And But the, 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 you have to run through this ridiculous chemical process to take the smell out of them. And then, you know, here it is. I know nothing about this. It's not good. All that stuff's not good for you. Like, what's good for you is olive oil. Olive I use olive great oil and avocado oil. Great for you. Good stuff. Love it. Dietary fatty acids in the 10-year incidence of age-related macular degeneration. So uh, the object- objective was to assess the relationship between baseline dietary fatty acids and 10-year incident age-related macular degeneration. And uh, after adjusting for age, sex, and smoking, one serving of fish per week was associated with reduced risk of incident early AMD, um, uh, primarily among patients with less than medium median linoleic acid consumption, finding similar intake of long-chain three polyunsaturated fatty acids. One to two servings of nuts per week was associated with a reduced risk of incident and AMD, uh, projective associations between the intake of nuts and the reduced risk of pigmentary abnormalities we're seeing among non-smokers, participants with less than the median ratio of ser- serum total to high-density lipoprotein cholesterol and those with beta-carotene intake greater than the median level. So Can nuts co- are good. Yeah, nuts are good for you. I mean, there's 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 healthy know. fats and nuts and like the things that, you know, the things that people think of as healthy, like a lot of times are not necessarily healthy. And one of those is seed oils. The study provides evidence of protection against early AMD from regularly eating fish, greater consumption of, um, I don't know what that word is, uh, three polyunsaturated fatty acids and low intake of foods rich in linoleic acid. Regular consumption of nuts may also reduce AMD risk. Joint effects from multiple factors suggested. Um, Google the negative effects of seed oils. When you go down the rabbit hole, (laughs) first of all, they're all highly processed. In order to get oil out of a fucking grape seed, like there's this massive process Mm -hmm. involved with that. These aren't natural foods. Right. Like olive oil, you press it. It's like a Mm -hmm. natural oil. And it's also like very good for your body. It's like a superfood. Yeah. Same thing with avocado oil. Those, yeah. There's certain fats that come from, from vegetables that are like really good for you. But those aren't the highly processed ones that were initially designed as industrial machine lubricants, <laughs> which is what's crazy. Uh, how industrial seed oils are making us sick. Uh, Click on that. You, you said you're having someone on to come talk about this? I had someone on recently. Oh, okay. How, how do you see Max's last name? You said it would be how I would say it. Lugaver. 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 Sure. I don't want to fuck it up. But Max is brilliant. And we had him on and he essentially broke it down. And he, he's a big proponent of olive oil, um, uh, especially like, uh, you know, like extra virgin olive oil. Experts have presented several dietary culprits as possible explanations for rapidly lo- rising rates of chronic disease in industrialized nations including sugar and saturated fat. However, one commonly consumed food found in the diets of millions has received surprisingly little attention, industrial seed oils. Wow, they're in everything. In fucking everything. Everything. Contrary to what we've been told, industrial seed oils such as soybean, canola, and corn oils are not heart healthy or otherwise beneficial for our bodies and brains. In fact, plenty of research indicates that these oils are making us sick. 
Uh, What are industrial seed oils? Unlike traditional fats such as olive oil, coconut oil, butter, ghee, and lard, industrial seed oils are a very recent addition to the human diet. In fact, industrial seed oils, the highly processed oils extracted from soybeans, corn, rapeseed, the source of canola oil, cottonseed, and safflower seeds were only introduced into the American diet in the early 1900s. Wow. How then did these oils come to occupy such an influential position, not only in the standard American diet, but in westernized diets around the world? I don't eat. I don't. I eat so clean. I'm. I'm good for you. I well, don't, that's probably why your uh, placenta was so big. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I didn't necessarily when I was pregnant. I gave into a lot of like. I just like any combination of cheese and bread. I am. Grilled cheese, mac and cheese, pasta, pizza. <laughs> I just love it. But then when she was born, she had um, colic. And they there's not really a lot of evidence, but they there's a lot of kind Put of... Put that back. There's yeah, like uh, an old wives' tale that if you... Um, what you eat can affect their colic, because colic is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so I just cut out everything except for like proteins and veggies, essentially, and... Well, yeah. I think that's just better overall for your body. Well, uh, yeah, I mean. Here is vegetable oils and trans fats, which include soybean, canola, and cottonseed oils, as well as hydrogenated and partially hydrogenated oils, undergo extensive heat and chemical processing. By the end of that process, they are oxidized, damaged, and cause inflammation to all the tissues in our bodies, including our eyes. And this is about uh, cases of uh, causes of macular degeneration. All right, okay. To add insult to injury, these types of fats also make their way into most man-made and high-sugar foods, such as cakes, pastries, fried foods, salad dressings, dips, margarines, and coffee creamers, cooking oils, and more. Wow. That makes these food a double whammy of inflammation for our eyes. The exclamation point. I, um, you know, I... I eat. I like salad. I like to eat salads. And even when I was like eating carnivore, that was the thing that I missed. I miss a nice salad, like with a lot of leafy greens and yeah. cucumbers. I and love salads. I love salads. It's, I, I like it. Yeah. If it's not, I mean, this this argument that it's that salads are bad for you. I tend to lean towards the idea that there's a hormetic effect, and that whatever you know, whatever your body is like, that's what uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick says that. There's like it, it provides like a stressor to your body that provides a hormetic effect that's actually beneficial. What's the argument that they're bad for you? I've there's, never heard that. There's arguments that the real hardcore carnivore people say, and I think much of that probably has to do with some people have a, a high sensitivity to um, these like, plant defense chemicals that some plants do produce. Like okay. we know that plants produce chemicals that um, that that. They what they do, they're trying to avoid predation. Right. Right. So like certain plants, like if you play a recording of caterpillars eating leaves next to plants, they will change their chemical profile. Wow. And it makes it less delicious. So oh. it makes they, they will literally release chemicals that make their, their leaves taste like shit. Okay. To the point where They've done these studies where they found that giraffes that are eating certain trees, I think it's the acacia tree, and they're eating it upwind. And so as it as this smell and the sound goes downwind, there's some sort of communication that we don't totally understand amongst plants, but the the trees downwind become inedible. Everything is a miracle. It's fucking wild, <laughs> but it's like that's nature preventing yeah. the look. The, the way that Paul Saladino describes it, and you know, I don't totally buy into all that he's saying, but I think a lot of what he's saying makes sense, is that animals, which are almost all edible, 
their defense is they run away. Mm-hmm. Plants, they can't run away. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they release these plants, plant defense chemicals. Okay. Some people are highly sensitive to these. Okay. And when you take those into your body, <laughs> some people, when they eat certain plants, they, they have reactions. But I think that's- Like what kind mo- of reaction? Their body, you know, they have like an autoimmune re- reaction. Oh, okay. Like some people that are on like high vegetable, high oxalate diets, high, you know, like mm-hmm. leafy greens and stuff like that. Some people have reactions to them. Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably less common than than the, the like the hardcore carnivore people believe. How long did you do the carnivore diet? Um, I generally only do it for a month in and- January. Jan- January is World Carnivore Month. Okay. So just for a goof, a couple times I've g- eaten nothing but meat. Ugh. Like one. Did you get the meat sweats? Is that a no, real I thing? No, I got the meat explosive diarrheas, though. <laughs> Dude, I had diarrhea that you could write home about. Like you write books about the diarrhea I had. Like it wasn't just diarrhea. It was like oil was coming out, like crude, like black gold, Texas <laughs> Texas Creed. I don't feel like that. I, I mean, I understand that there's lots of benefits to it, and people swear by it. But it seems like I don't know. I I'm not. I I feel like it takes me a long time to digest like a piece of steak. I don't know. It, for me, it didn't. That didn't bother me. Um, I lost a lot of weight, but I <laughs> but I didn't lose weight because I was dehydrated. <laughs> the diarrhea only lasted a couple of weeks. But I mean, for a couple of weeks, it was touch and go. Like it was like I would have a feeling in my stomach, like oh Jesus, like get to a, a toilet quick. How did you podcast? Uh, I have uh, strong butt muscles. I just keep it tight. I don't know. I, I I did it. But but here's the thing. It's like when you cut out all the carbs and you cut out uh, particularly like bread and pasta, which is really for me the culprit. Yeah. Um, I avoided all the crash and I never felt sleepy like my energy level was completely sustained all throughout the day Okay, then when I did it after that I added in fruit Okay, and when I added in fruit I avoided all of the diarrhea all of the craziness. Okay, so I guess the fiber from the fruit and right. It's just all I was eating was like ribeyes and Jeez, elk meat the sounds elk meat sounds good. It's great Ribeyes, but I, I needed know. fat like you can't just eat elk meat uh, you can, I'm sure, but the, the, there's you need fat. Yeah, and elk is very lean. Elk okay. is, you know, you're basically eating a super athlete. Yeah, you're eating a super athlete that's running away from mountain lions. Like, yeah, they're, they're fucking jacked. And so when you when you butcher an elk, like when you're in the field and you butcher an elk, you see very little fat. Right. Very very little. Mostly what you're seeing is muscle tissue and. I mean, and it's it's a dense, rich, dark red muscle tissue of, and it's so rich in protein and right. vitamins, and it's so fucking healthy for you. But you need fat, so I would use um, I would use um, tallow, beef tallow that was grass fed beef tallow. Was, I would cook it in that, so I'd get some fats from that. Mm-hmm. But I found that I like I started eating a lot of bacon with it, and that helped too. <laughs> so when I'm eating, um, this sounds really bad for your heart. I don't know. Not, <laughs> that's that's a that's a myth. Is too. that a myth? Yeah, that's a myth. That's definitely a myth. I mean, I think for some people genetically, they're uh, predisposed to certain heart conditions and certain cholesterol issues. It doesn't like build up. No, 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 no. When no. you're no, see, this is that thing. It's like you have this like sort of like what is it? Is that bad for? The, all the studies that point to meat being bad for your heart are what's called epidemiology studies, and those studies where uh, it's where they make people fill out 
like a questionnaire, like how many times a week do you eat meat? Right. Like five days a week. And this, and they, they looked at those people and they said, oh, there's higher instances of heart disease in those people. But what they don't cover is how many of those fucking people are eating cheeseburgers? Right. And how many of those people have industrial seed oils in the cheeseburger and the bun and the fries, which are cooked in industrial seed right. oils? And how many of them are eating Coca-Cola, like drinking Coca-Cola all day long, which is filled with fucking seed oils right. and, and corn, corn syrup? Like, all that shit is what's really bad for you. Well, the, you know about the studies that were done in, I think it was the 1950s or 1960s, where the sugar industry paid scientists to lie about the source of heart disease and connected to, to saturated fats. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really just bribery. Yeah. They, and they didn't pay them much. They paid them like $50,000. <laughs> and in paying them that $50,000, see if we can find that. Because the New York Times wrote about this. So people have this idea that that meat is bad for you. Well, but I meat is what people have been eating since the fucking beginning of time. Right. I I remember reading that like the whole idea that fat was bad for you is because of the sugar yeah. lobbies and then they just replaced all of the fat with sugar and then now we have an obesity epidemic 100%. essentially. Um, and I do think there's part of the problem with like we have a problem. I mean, even flying lately, I'm like, oh, my God, every single flight I've been on, they need like seven wheelchairs. You know, it's it's just seems more than ever before. People are are struggling with obesity. And I think it's obviously been proven. And I think a lot of it, too, is just like confusion about what they should eat. Yeah, I well, feel like there's so much confusion around food. That's not really confusion. There is confusion, but it's also like that stuff's delicious, and it's, it tricks your body into <laughs> well, eating yeah. Cheetos. Go back to the top, please. So this is uh, 50 years ago. Sugar industry quietly paid scientists to point the blame at fat. Did anybody get punished for this? I think they're all dead. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> but this is also part of the problem. We have the 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 ability for this crap to happen. Yeah, well, it happens less and less now because of the internet, because this stuff can get out. But yeah, the next year, after several scientific articles were published suggesting a link between sucrose and coronary heart disease, the SRF approved a literature review project that it wound up paying approximately fifty thousand dollars in today's dollars for the research. <laughs> <laughs> One of the researchers was chairman of Harvard's public <laughs> health nutrition department, an ad hoc member of SRF's board. So they, they literally paid these scientists to conduct this bullshit study because there was all sorts of articles, scientific articles, suggesting a link between sugar and coronary heart disease. Oh, my god! They recommended that the industry fund its own studies, which is well, then we can publish data and refute our detractors. Someone got oh. paid $50,000 to destroy America. Literally kill people. <laughs> yeah. Literally kill people. I mean, how many people took margarine? Because they thought that margin was good for you. There's so that's what I mean though about the confusion. Yeah. I think that people are eating. I don't know what's in these Impossible Burgers and all this like Beyond Meat stuff. It's creepy to me because well, it causes I don't... liver damage in rats. What is in it? Oh well, well, we'll show you. We'll show you what's in it. But remember, I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah. Well, I can fucking believe it. <laughs> tastes like shit. Doesn't taste like butter. What the fuck is wrong with you? Have you had butter? Butter's delicious. <laughs> I can't believe it's not butter. It's I, I someone who's it. never tried butter. Do you smoke all day and have no taste buds? The fuck is wrong with you? Find, like, find out that um, the Impossible Burger thing where they were uh, they found that there was a, a correlation between uh, rat rat liver damage. 
Fucking rats. Rats eat rats. They eat everything. They eat garbage. They're fine. Yeah. They eat an impossible burger. They're, they're going to the fucking <laughs> hospital ward. <laughs> That's not good. No. Here it is. Uh, rat feeding studies suggest the impossible burger may not be safe to eat. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because it's not. Look, first of but all. But what is in you, it? Okay. We'll, we'll tell you what's in it. Um, here it goes. Uh, impossible burger is a plant-based burger. The key ingredient, which pr- a protein called soy... Leg hemoglobin, SLH for short, derived from genetically modified yeast. It's already being sold in restaurants and supermarkets in the U.S. And in 2019, the manufacturing company Impossible Foods applied for permission to market the burger in the EU and the U.K. Did the EU let it in? I don't know. They're usually pretty strict about this stuff. But this is all genetically modified bullshit. The results of the rat feeding study commissioned by Impossible Foods and carried out with SLH suggest that the burger may not be safe to eat. SLH is a substitute that gives the burger its meaty taste. It makes it appear to bleed like meat when cut. The U.S. Food Department and Drug Administration initially refused to sign off the safety of SLH when it first approached by the company. The rat feeding study results suggest that the agency's concerns were justified. Rats fed the GM yeast-derived SLH developed unexplained changes in weight gain, changes in the blood that can indicate the onset of inflammation or kidney disease, and possible signs of anemia. What the? Yeah. You so, listen. If you don't like meat and you don't want to eat meat, don't there's plenty meat. of plant-based protein sources. Right. Like pea protein is very good for you. Hemp protein is very good for you. You don't have to eat fake meat. Yeah. If there's... you miss meat, have a burger. <laughs> have a burger. <laughs> have a burger from a cow that was a cunt. It's like just like only cunty cows. Cows there's... that like kick farmers and fucking stomp on their babies. There, surely there must be cows that deserve being eaten. There's some, that's a, the, like eating bugs and the impossible meat and all of this stuff. It just feels very strange Orwellian. to me. Yeah, there, yeah, the push for it. It's well, like this unified push for it that feels. The bug doesn't bother me. A lot well, of, bugs maybe are good I, protein. Yeah, maybe because I hosted Fear Factor. but I've eaten bugs. I've eaten bugs. I've eaten a lot of bugs. I'm sure, but uh, but cricket <laughs> protein is actually good for you. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a easy source of protein. Yeah, you know what's fucked up about that? I've eaten cricket protein, but if I find a cricket in my house, I always save it. Oh, okay. There's certain bugs that if you're in my house, <laughs> I save crickets. You're dead. There's certain bugs where you don't live if you're a roach. If you're a roach, I'm gonna fuck you up. Do they have a lot of protein? I don't know. I've eaten them. I, I ate a roach. I went to this thing in New Zealand, and we, it was like this, I, f- I forget even what it was called. It's this, and it's the, one of those things where you eat all kind. I ate a grub. Like, they took it yeah, out of the wood, cool. and I ate it. And kind of flavorless, right? Yeah, but it's just the moving around in your mouth that's, and they had all kinds of, like, weird things to eat, and it was just a, like, cute, a New Zealand thing. And one of the things was um, horse semen, and I drank horse semen. They are giving shots of it, like wow. little shots bugs. of it. I think they lied to you. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with bugs, Bridget. <laughs> I know. I was I was still drinking back then, and I was pretty drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I went to uh, a resort in Mexico, and uh, they had like these little was it crickets or grasshoppers. I, I forget now. I think it was crickets. But they had like stir-fried crickets in mm. like a... A salty sort of uh, based, like a teriyaki type of thing, and they were delicious. And they yeah. were in a bowl. And my, you know, my kids were really young at the time. They're like, "Ew!" And I'm like, "They're not bad." Yeah. And I was eating them. I ate them all. 
They're were, pretty good. And um, when I was in Japan in Kyoto, we went to this like fancy dinner, and they had these little. They were like minnows that were kind of. They were like French fries. Mm. They were delicious, but they were full of little minnows with little well, eyes. Well, minnows are good. That's a smelt. Have you ever had smelt? In the East Coast, uh, I when so, I lived yeah. in Boston, my friends would go smelting. Yeah. And smelt are these tiny little fish, and yep. you just you eat them whole. And they, I don't, I forget how they catch them, but you can't catch them with a hook. They're just too small. Mm-hmm. But they would get like tons of them and cook them, and and they were delicious. And they're these little tiny things you just eat them whole. Yeah. But crickets and bugs, like we have a thing in our head about bugs, but that's what a fucking lobster is. That's a bug. Yeah. And they're goddamn delicious. They're delicious. They're so good, right? But that they're essentially bugs. Like, like divers, they call them bugs. Yeah, they, like we're diving for bugs. Yeah, it's it's not the it's not really the bug thing that f- f- weirds me out. It's the like unified push for everyone to eat bugs right. that weirds me out. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, you're not gonna make me eat freaking bugs and live in a pod. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, it's that, you know, you will have it's nothing like and you'll w- be happy. Yeah, yeah, the like, great reset or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, why do I feel like I'm going to be on the shit end of this reset? Well, you 100% <laughs> will. They'll be on a yacht eating caviar and foie gras, and you'll be eating bugs in a hobble somewhere. <laughs> yeah, some little freaking <laughs> pod. Cockroach milk is protein-rich, crystallized substance produced by a specific type of cockroach called diplop- diploptera puncta? Punctata? Hmm. The species is unique because it gives birth to live offspring. Members make milk in the form of protein crystals to serve as food for the developing young. Yeah, I'm not opposed to eating bugs because there's a thing uh, amongst like uh, hunters and conservationists where they uh, harvest cicadas. Mm -hmm. And when they have like those big cicada hatches, Mm -hmm. people harvest them and they bake them. And, like, my friend Ryan Callahan posted on – he has a, a podcast. Um, what is this podcast called? Cal's – let me fucking find his podcast. But uh, he um, – Cal's Week in Review, and it's a great podcast. It's all about, like, different things that have to do with nature and, and conservation and stuff like that. But cicadas are delicious. They have more than 100 grams per pound, according to Inverse. Of course, wow. you might find it more palatable to eat a big steak, but eating it – but but they know how to cook them, and when they cook them, they act like Ryan said they're really good. Everybody's, like you just have to know how to prepare them and and harvest them. But isn't there a bug apocalypse? Or is, have you read what? about this? This what? is a rabbit hole I've been going down. The bug apocalypse. <laughs> Google the bug apocalypse, please, Jamie. <laughs> oh, there's so many apocalypses. There's so many apocalypses. Ugh. I mean, that's. Insect apocalypse. A growing body of scientific evidence shows that bugs worldwide are decreasing in abundance and diversity. No, this is a rabbit hole. Wow. Scientists estimate that 40% of known species are declining and hypothesize that losses could trigger large-scale ecological collapse. This is a huge problem. But this is why I'm like, why are we pushing bugs? I thought there was bug apocalypse. It's just not getting as much attention as the other apocalypse. Well, when they're pushing bugs, (laughs) they're, they're pushing harvesting bugs. And, um, and you know, raising them for, for consumption. Yeah. But they could do that pretty easily. That's yeah, yeah. the reason why they want to do that. It's because, like, resource-wise, it's it's a fairly um, – it's it's an easier thing to – like, you don't need as much land to make – I know, I know. I've, I've interviewed a lot of the bug people. Have you? 
Yeah, I hope I, you interviewed that's interesting. There's this one. Oh, I have to remember a name. I did this. I did this thing where I interviewed like I swear it was like 20 people every five every five minutes. I interviewed a different person, and one of the women was someone who's building the technology to have these bug pods in your house so you can eat the bugs. And I, I have to. I I can look it up. I have to. You, what did you do every 20 minutes? It was it was a speed interviews. No, it, it felt like that. It was it was um. I did. I'm. I have like mom brain is real. It's oh, yeah. a real thing. You need some alpha brain. Want what some is? Of that? Can I take it? I'm yeah. breastfeeding. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to be responsible for your kid becoming a super genius. But um, <laughs> alpha brain is a nootropic that my company on it makes, and I'm not saying this because it's my company, um, because uh, it's nootropics, and it's the reason why we started on it. When when Aubrey and I started on it 10, 11 years ago, whatever it was. The reason why we started it was because I got fascinated with nootropics. And I got into, uh, there's a thing called Neuro One mm-hmm. that Bill Romanowski, the football player, uh-huh. developed because he was having problems with CTE and memory loss. And so there's certain nootropics, which are nutrients that um, are the building blocks for human neurotransmitters. Yeah. And you can take those and they can enhance memory. And it was very controversial. A lot of people called bullshit and snake oil. But we funded two double-blind, placebo-controlled studies with the Boston Center for Memory that showed increase in verbal memory, increase in your, um, your reaction times, and your, your, it's, essentially it helps your ability to form sentences. And come up with, like, when I do the UFC, which is like the, the time where it's the most memory-intensive for right. me, because I have to recall techniques and right. moves and when it happened, when it, I always take alpha brain. Right. I take it for, every time I have to talk to a scientist, I take this shit. I was wondering how you talk to these guys. I, but it, I was reading about mom brain, and they're starting to really study it, and you lose gray matter. Yeah. It's crazy. They're, well, you, the resources that the baby needs, you're making a fucking human. But they also think it's because they their theory is that it's so you can have more attention for the baby. So your attention just goes not as many other places and more resources are given so you can connect to the baby. That makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean, I have been, I usually am pretty, I struggle to, like, find basic words. I couldn't remember the word assessment on the way over here. <laughs> I do that all the time, though, especially when I wake up. When If you catch me, and the, the reason find why I do a podcast. Find out if you can take it while you breastfeed. I will. I'll ask uh, Jason, the CEO, what, what studies have done on that. But not just this stuff, but there's also stuff called NeuroGum that I don't have any association with other than I purchase it. In NeuroGum, we have boxes of it over there. I chew that shit all the time. Yeah. And that has... It also has nootropics in it and a little bit of caffeine. You gave me some of that actually once when I was here, and I used it all the time. I love that stuff, It's amazing. It really did help me feel like on it and sharp. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. I what is in this? (laughs) Nootropics, it's it's real science. Okay. It's not horseshit or snake oil or placebos. It's real. Yeah. And again, there's there's many different versions of it. This is my favorite, Alpha Brain Black Label. This stuff is the shit. It's the best of anyone that I've ever tried. But I do really like Neuro One. Um, Neuro One I like too because uh, it's a powder. You scoop it. I put it in like a jug of okay. and I shake it in water. It tastes good. Um, I love the gum. And there's, there's a bunch of other ones that are available too that different companies sell and so they have different effects. But all of them are designed to enhance memory. I need it right now. Yeah, keep the mind sharp. There's like 
it makes sense, right? Like there's neurotransmitters, there's building blocks for those neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. We know that 5-HTP helps you produce serotonin and there's all these different things that can enhance the function of, of the brain. Right. And for me, that's all I have. I'm a dumb dude. But I have a good memory. But one of the reasons why I have a good memory is because I you use it a lot. You have a good memory. It's pretty good. It's good most of the time. Especially it's... considering how much weed you smoke. Yeah. This <laughs> like... month is not any better. Like, my my, my brain's not any better. <laughs> when I think I don't think the weed fucks... My, the weed fucks with my short-term memory for sure. When I quit smoking weed at first, my brain was fried. And I was like, oh, I don't think weed affects you at all. And then I, I was waiting tables, which requires a lot of memory. And suddenly I was remembering everyone's name. Like, it was like my brain came back online, but it took like three months. Yeah. It wasn't sense. like after 30 days. I think weed takes a while to like get out of your system. You know what definitely happens when you stop smoking weed is you dream. Yeah. Yeah. My you, dreams are amazing. My dreams, the moment I stopped smoking weed this month, like within a couple of days, I started having wild yep. dreams. Yeah. And they're all like very violent. <laughs> they're all like wolves chasing you and shit, <laughs> falling off cliffs. And it's like war. I have war dreams. Everybody's talking about civil war, though. There, yeah. there's That's just like in the zeitgeist. And I'm always like, America's too fat for a civil war. I don't have civil war dreams. I have war dreams. Like, like big war dreams? Yeah, like like hiding in apartment buildings and seeing soldiers enter into the building and trying to figure out how to get out. I've had a recurring dream for years. I've talked about this. But maybe not here. But I've had it for years. And I'm in New York City. <laughs> And then there's like this gas that starts coming up through the manholes and I'm like, they're gassing us. And then everybody gets like paralyzed and we're all just staring at each other and we're conscious, but we can't move. And it's the Chinese and the Chinese oh, are occupying the United States. And they're like, somehow I end up getting free of my paralyzation. And then I'm running through the woods in Connecticut and um, which I used to live in Connecticut. So it's very familiar, the woods there, all the way to Rhode Island. And then I get to my grandmother's house, and we stage a defense against the Chinese soldiers who are coming, and we're Jesus. hiding. And then I wake up when they knock on the door of the attic. Like, I've had this dream like four times, four or five in, wow. in, in my, in recently, but I've been having it for years. I'm like, this is, the, and it's always the same. Like, I'm in my grandma's house, and then they're like, we're, we're trying to hide. How much are you worried about an actual situation like that happening? I mean, I don't know. Everything's so weird. Elon, Elon took over Twitter today. Yeah. Like, we live in a simulation. No, that's the best. That crazy bastard did it. How about when he walked into Twitter's headquarters <laughs> with a sink and said, let that sink in? <laughs> a dad joke. Yes. That's him. <laughs> I know. He's funny. We have, like, this ongoing bet on Dumpster Fire that he's my nemesis, and it started because of my husband, who we were doing one of these dumb books someone got us that's like, oh, you can like connect as a couple. And we were jokingly, kind of ironically, in our Gen X way doing it. And it was like, what's something you would like always want to do or something like that? He was like, have dinner with Elon Musk. And I was like, it was supposed to be something about me. And I was like, fuck you, you're going to have dinner with Elon, not have dinner with me. And so it became this ongoing joke because uh, of him being my nemesis. But it's really why just, is he your, what made him? He your can't nemesis? be my, a because it's hilarious because I'm a nobody and he's a genius buying Twitter and sending rockets to space and trying to get to Mars. And I'm screaming in a garage on dumpster fire. So there's that hilarious aspect. But it's mostly just because he's 
my it became this ongoing joke because my husband started joking about his like you know enamored being enamored with Elon Musk, and so I was just jealous. So he became like it's just become this ongoing, and then somebody sent us an Elon cutout for the set, and then so <laughs> whenever we do an Elon is my nemesis, and I'm like my nemesis is up to what's he up to now, and we like bring the cutout on for the for the bit. Well, we're hoping we can get our girl Megan. Uh, re reestablished. Free on Megan. Now. Yeah. Free Megan Murphy. Free Megan. There's so many. Yeah. People were like, There's so many people that need to be reestablished. So I mean, James Lindsay got booted. I think. Yes. Um, yeah. and somebody was like, "This is like when the Joker let all the, all the, all the prisoners out." Yeah, but it's not. It's not because well, it's not the Joker. Well, if you see them as like political prisoners, it might be. <laughs> it's. <sighs> Those, those are crazy, paranoid people that I have know. been also. They've been enjoying the fact that it's an ideological thought bubble. Right. That Twitter has only enforced left left wing ideologies, and they've suppressed any conservative ideologies, even amongst reasonable, kind yeah. people that don't share the same ideology. That's fucking bad for our society. Yeah, it it's is. bad. I'm not a huge proponent of like the parallel economies either. You know, I, so? I, I, I just, I, I don't know that it's good. You know, you, you. What do you mean by parallel economy? This is like the term that everybody's using, particularly on the right, because, and it's, it's valid as these places like PayPal and financial institutions are saying you can't, you know, if you say this or step out of line, we're going to fine you. There's this idea that you're going to have to create a parallel economy in order to function essentially so don't give don't give your money to i mean i think the daily wire did it with the razors they had like harry yeah they did and jeremy did some razors so it's like oh don't give your money to people who hate you give your money to people who share your ideology but then you have these you know the silos are forming where it's like then everyone's over here and everyone who agrees is over here and no one's forced to actually articulate their ideas or disagree with one another it's just everyone like smelling their own farts <laughs> <laughs> it is though yeah it is. that's not healthy no well, that's what elon wants to uh, bring back to twitter is reasonable exchange of ideas that's like he really thinks it's important. It is important. It is. I think it's important too. But I'm, it's just rare that someone is that wealthy that they can do that. That that can do that. And also, he was very left leaning for most of his life. Yeah. Until really recently, the pandemic in particular, and the way people have sort of enforced these ideologies, regardless of whether or not the science supports it. Yeah. And he thinks it's bad. And I think it's true. I think I think we have a real problem with discord, particularly like. Discourse on Twitter, right? Like if you post something and then someone posts something that opposes what you say, you're like, ah, and then you got to like formulate it. Like some people don't want that. So what right. they would like to do is silence the people that have opposing viewpoints. And then you get all this positive feedback from all the people that agree with you. And right. you're like, yes, I want to amplify that because that feels good. I did the right, I said the right thing. <laughs> I said the right. And then when someone comes in with facts or opinion, fuck you, you Nazi fascist. And, <laughs> and it's like, that's what people are doing now because it's a shit way to communicate. Communicating like that, it's good. It's a good way to get out information and ideas really quickly. But it's a bad way to exchange ideas and to dialogue about stuff because yeah. it's the way people are supposed to really communicate is like how we're doing. Yeah. Two people looking at each other talking. That's how we're designed. We're not really designed to read text. No. 
How many times have people gotten in fights because there was a misunderstanding on text? All the and time. yet people can't and then there's so much projection that happens online. It's so much of like whatever your insecurities might be, whatever they're you're not getting that information like you get in real time when you're yeah. talking to somebody. You're you're not seeing somebody might be getting sensitive or maybe they're you've you know, you just see right. it in stand up where you do you get that feedback in real time where you're like, Oh, we're yeah. in a we're in a dodgy yeah. <laughs> part of town right now. Yeah. But you don't get that online and then you're just there's so much like projection of people's trauma and people's insecurities and wounds and yeah it just ends up hurting you know people are people are really hurting people are losing their minds i think people i'm worried about everyone's mental health well twitter is basically a mental health <laughs> institution where the inmates are giving life advice you say this all the time and i i love it i, <laughs> I it you it's said it it's, i said i read someone quote you it was like twitter is a mental health institute institution where all the mental patients are like throwing shit at each other yeah <laughs> that's what they did they're throwing shit at each other they're trying to like yeah they're, they're trying to stick it on you i you always say don't read the comments and one comment after my last time here came through and i was laughing at it it was like these two it's like watching someone play ping pong against themselves <laughs> <laughs> I know it was meant as an insult, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind of well, true. We agree a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that bad? It's not bad to agree with people either. I try very hard to look at other people's perspectives. I yeah. really do. And I, I also realize that I have a very weird situation where my <laughs> my voice gets amplified way above where it's just you're not in a garage like i am and dumpster fire <laughs> what even you i mean you've got a lot of fucking people listen a lot of people watch that's that's way more than most people yeah when you have an idea and that idea resonates with people it gets spread and then you know the thing like i had this discussion um the other day with someone where we were talking about with uh ideas that people disagree with the, one of the problems is, like, if you put something out and you say something, people are listening. They disagree, but they don't have a voice. Like, mm -hmm. if they're if people are listening to us right now, no, 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 no that's not why. The mm -hmm. reason why is marginalized people. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the other day where Biden said that fucking airplane seats are racist? Did you see what he said? No. Uh, he's so fucking I've crazy. Out. He's doing this thing where you just uh, say something and say, especially people of color. Like you can say that, like and affect people, low income people and people of color. Like he likes to do that because it's like this liberal talking point that you can attach. And if you disagree with that, well, then you're racist, you're racist yeah. or you're not sensitive to people of color. So he was talking about airline seats and leg room. This is how d fucking dumb we've gotten. Find that. Find this. Because basically, b barely getting a sentence out anyway. Biden claims hidden airline feeds, fees disproportionately affect people of color. First of all, he's trying to say th that airline seats somehow... Listen, folks. These are junk fees. They're unfair. And they hit marginalized Americans the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. First of all... And people of color, like, what about Why? rich people that have go to the fucking first class in the airport? This is a lot of people of color. People, <laughs> yeah. this is a, people of color are kicking ass. This is a guy There's who a hasn't been in great. first class in a long time. Yeah, he's been flying around in Air Force <laughs> yeah. One for as long as he can remember. His memory's good for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. What, what is it? Scroll down again a little further there? Other tweets about other stuff yeah. he said. Poor kids such as, uh, yeah, poor kids are just as talented as smart and white kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
an actual Joe Biden quote. The, I, it's it's but, actually it's weird because we're you know the midterms are right. Uh, this is yeah. I've been tuning out, but I couldn't even the debate the other night. Everybody was talking about the Fetterman Oz debate, and I couldn't even watch it. I was like, everyone's like, you've got to tune in. I'm like, this. Do you know feels... it's hard to find? Really? Yes. I'm like, yeah. this feels. It's being removed. Ugh. There's a then make sure this is correct. Because there is, uh, Duncan was telling me that there's a Reddit conspiracy was talking about how places have taken down the debate. So because, you can't actually watch it with your own eyes. And well, did, this yeah. is a thing that's happening. And one of the things that people are criticizing is apparently Gmail. This is an issue that Republicans, um, when they're sending out like uh, emails to get people to vote and for mailing lists. Their mails have gone into spam filters. Oh, weird. Yeah. Here, I'll find I'll find this. So thing. we we deal with that. I mean, I don't know. I hate to be like a conspiracy theorist, but with Dumpster Fire on on YouTube is a good example. We were like doing you know, look, our views weren't huge. We were getting like thirty to forty thousand regularly. And then we started talking about certain issues, like Leah Thomas. Yeah. And suddenly our stuff just dropped off. And 100%. You're, I, being I know that we're not like, maybe people don't like us and we lost some audience, but 40% of our audience? No, you're, you're 100%. They, they punish you with the algorithm. Republican committee in U.S. sues Google over email spam filters. Republican National Committee accuses Gmail of discriminating against it by unfairly sending its emails to users' spam folders, impacting fundraising and get-out-the-vote efforts. This is, you, you know that Gmail or uh, G Drive, Google Drive, if you try to put up the Kanye uh, episode of Drink Champs, you know that they had a, a podcast and this was the original yeah. podcast that got Kanye in trouble. If someone uploaded that to Google Drive and they deleted it. What? Yes. Yeah, this is... Uh, this is wild shit. It's over... I mean, the New York Times just had a crazy article that we covered on Dumpster Fire. Look at this. Oh, Google wow. Google Drive has allegedly been going into people's what? personal storage and is deleting... This real? Yes. Kanye West Drink Champs interview. I mean, this... I Look don't know this. this six Buzz TV account. <laughs> yeah, but it, no, it's uh, it's in a lot of places. Like, people have tried it. Your file may violate Google Drive's terms of service. Oh, wow. Because in that conversation, he said what things that they consider to be anti-Semitic. So did you see that article that was going around, and it was a big, long thread on Twitter, and a guy had to post... He had to send his pediatrician... A photo of his son's genitalia because he had a rash and a lot of time pediatricians now because of covid will be like send me a picture let me look i can prescribe you something and google shut down he had a gmail shut down his phone shut down shut down his, his phone what do you shut, mean because he had a google phone <gasps> shut down his phone what do you shut, mean down, by his shut gmail. down his phone they they like shut his phone down. What do you mean by shut his phone down? He what does doesn't. That mean? He couldn't use his phone. He what? was unable to use his phone. You mean he couldn't make phone calls <laughs> with his Android phone? They took all of his pictures. A dad took photos of his naked toddler for the doctor. Google flagged him as a criminal. It's this They're, is a wild story. They have an automated tool to detect abusive images of children, but the system can get it wrong, and the consequences are serious. What if you shave your junk and you have a little penis and you send it to your girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> 
and what, you're just like that? deleted. Yeah. What if you just have, a, you know, you I just mean, unfortunately look, have I a micro penis. They're so big. I don't know how you deal with. I, of course, I don't want child pornography out there. So, so I understand that they're trying to take measures because this is a problem that is now been assisted by technology. But find out about the phone thing. Because Google that they shut down his phone because I was actually very interested in this new Pixel. This new Pixel phone, my friend uh, Brian Simpson has one, and he fucking loves it. Is that the one you can, like, delete stuff? Delete images in the background? What what do you mean? You can delete images in the background? So if you take a picture of, like, you frolicking on the beach and there's some person in the background you don't want in it, you can just circle it and, like, it looks like make that person disappear. You can delete things. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, if you're some fucking asshole giving you a finger <laughs> behind you. Like, oh, you think you fucked up my picture? <laughs> but th- so uh, Brian's phone is, he was t- telling me like all the different, like, it's not, there, there's pros and cons to data collecting. The, yeah. the pros are that when they data collect, they can find things that you're actually interested in and send those things your way, right? He had to get a new phone. So click on this. Okay. That is fucking crazy no it's a crazy story it's it's crazy and they still won't give him all of his images back not only did he lose emails contact information for friends and former colleagues and documentation of his son's first years of life but his google fi account shut down meaning he had to get a new phone number with another carrier without access to his old phone number and email address he couldn't get the security codes he needed to sign into other internet accounts locking him out of much of his digital life it's nuts. And I think in the story, and I, I'm not going to remember Go the order there. of operations, but they he found out that he had been flagged for this because it automatically got sent to the police. And the police luckily determined that it was not what Google flagged it as. Scroll back up to the top, please. Where? To the, the very top of the, the I wanted to read the, when they were describing what, what he does. Go back up to the very top, the very top, the very top of the article. Um, so when the photo of him where it says who he is and what he does is a stay-at-home dad stop 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 stay-at-home dad in San Francisco he grabbed his Android smartphone took photos to document the problem his wife grabbed her husband's phone and texted a few high-quality close-ups of her son's groin area to her iPhone so that she could upload to that so he has a, a Google phone the the wife has an iPhone how are they even together just Scroll kidding. down. <laughs> um, does it say what he does? Does this gentleman does? Yeah, it said he was an audio or an engineer of some kind. Yeah, it's that's it's there's. It oh, said it near, Okay, Mark had worked as a software engineer at a large technology company's automatic tool, automated tool for taking down video content flagged by users as problematic. He knew such systems often have a human in the loop to ensure that the computers don't make a mistake. And he assumed his case would be cleared up as soon as it reached that person. So, yeah, two days after taking the pictures, it said he he um, he got a blooping no- notification noise. His account had been disabled because of harmful content that was a severe violation of Google's policies and might be illegal. 
That is crazy that they fucking shut down his phone. But I think I'm I might be mistaken. I don't want to. I I've read this story so many times, but again, mom brain. And I believe he found out about it because of that bloop. But then the police got involved and he was cleared. But he still can't even get his stuff back. And it's like all the pictures of his. I just had a kid. I'd be devastated if I lost all the well, images. Maybe they can give it back to him. The more eggs you have in one basket, the more likely is the basket is to break. A few days after Mark filed the appeal, Google responded that it would not reinstate the account with no further explanation. Because Google they... didn't know it, but Google, or Mark didn't know it, but Google's review team had also flagged a video he made and the San Francisco Police Department had already started to investigate him. So he actually is hoping that he can get his stuff back from the police because they have a drive. This is the other fucked up thing. They, they got a drive of everything that he had, every text message, Every photo, every single thing, his whole digital life was given to the police. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. He was in the middle of buying a house and signing countless digital documents when his Gmail account was disabled. He asked his mortgage broker to switch his email address, which made the broker suspicious until his real estate agent vouched for him. Holy fuck. Yeah, th this well, is a wild article. Turn me off to getting a fucking... Google phone, Brian Simpson. I mean, I'm sure Apple can do it too. But they don't. They don't do that. I've never heard that. Not yet. I mean, yeah, no. I think Apple's a little better with that stuff. Yeah, it was that that story was wild. And it, again, it's I I mean, I think they would be like, "Well, you have to break a few eggs or whatever that expression is in order to catch some predators." But there's there needs to be a way for people to get all their stuff back if they've been cleared. It's so crazy. And it's it's chilling and terrifying how much power they actually have. His internet searches, his location history, his messages, and any document, photo, and video he'd stored with the company. What is this saying? It's, it was all given to the police department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It contained a letter informing him that had been investigated, as well as copies of the search warrants served on Google and his internet service provider. Isn't that crazy? His internet search history, everything. Right. Wow. Uh, I determined that the incident did not meet the elements of a crime and no crime occurred, duh. Uh, Mr. Hillard wrote in his report, the police had access to the information Google had on Mark and decided it did not constitute child abuse or expectation. Of course it didn't. You have to talk to Google, Mr. Hillard said, according to Mark. Mark appealed his case to Google again, providing the police report, but to no avail. After getting a notice two months ago that his account was being permanently deleted, Mark spoke with a lawyer about suing Google and how much it would cost. I decided it was probably not worth the seven thousand dollars. <sighs> wow. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. This Kate Klonick, a law professor at St. John's University, who's written about online content moderation, said it can be challenging to account for things that are invisible in a photo, like the behavior of the people sharing the image or the intentions of the person taking it. False positives where people are erroneously flagged are an inevitable given the billions of images being scanned. While most people would probably consider that trade-off worthwhile giving the benefit of identifying abused children. Ms. Klonick said that companies need a robust process for clearing and reinstating innocent people who are mistakenly flagged. Has this uh, successfully saved abused children? I, yeah. I believe it has. I, I, I mean, I would hope so. I hope Just, so, too, because if it's only getting people in trouble. But how, what are the other up? options other than, like, Google Photos? If you have, like, say, an Android phone, what are the options other than... 
I don't know. If Google Photos is like checking for child porn on all your photos, is Apple doing that too? Um, that's a good question. But find out if Apple does something similar. I'm to, sure they have to. They have to probably, right? They, it, that's the thing. These companies all have so much. They, I don't. Did they know they were going to have this much power and just, or is it hmm. something that they just didn't account for? Apple will scan U.S. iPhones for image of of child sexual abuse. This is from August of 2021. Yeah. But then what, what I wonder is how can they just send every all of your information? Right, that has nothing to do with that. How is that not that. a violation of your rights? It should be, and he probably does have a case. I hope people are reaching out to him because, you know, if it's not worth $7,000 to him, maybe someone will take it on pro bono because that's a fucked up situation Yeah. for that guy. And look at, listen, especially people that are hearing this, this is going to steer people away from using an Android phone. Apple holds off on plans. To scan for child porn. Yeah, I remember yeah. Apple had been going back and forth on it. I didn't know where they landed This on is in it. December of 2021. Apple has implemented two new child safety features. However, the most controversial one is missing. So that's the one where they scan off phone. Well, they probably reasonably assume that some people do take photos of their kids when they're naked. So one of the videos that, that, that when they said there was another video that was flagged, he said it was a video he probably took of his wife like breastfeeding his son, you know, <laughs> and she was probably topless. And like, You can't take topless photos, though. That is fucking bananas. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. If it's just breastfeeding? He's like, that's all I can think of is it was probably just an intimate moment where my wife was lying in bed with my son and I wanted to capture it. I mean, I that's that's like... How the fuck... I get that they have a big net, right? I get it. Google flagged parents' photos of sick children as sexual abuse. In at least two cases, Google has shut down accounts over pictures of kids containing nudity requested by pediatricians for diagnosing illnesses. Yeah, I would. God. That's a good question, though, Jamie. I would like to know, like, how how successful this is. <sighs> you know, how many... I'm, I'm all for catching predators and pedophiles, but... Right, but you have to have someone who would clearly look at that and go, oh, I see. Right. Your kid has an issue. Right. You sent a photo to a pediatrician. The pediatrician checks out. We looked at, you know, the rest of your account. Okay, yeah. you're good. Well, definitely. But even that fucks you up because then they get to look at all your photos. I know. What if some of them are your cack and you're <laughs> sending them to your wife? Is that like, are you an abuser? Are you a bad person? No, but it's, that's what I don't understand is how the scope, you know, how the, how they're able to just send the drive with everything. No, how fucked. that scope, how that it's is fucked. somehow, it seems like it should be a violation of like search and seizure. Or I don't, I don't know. I'm not, well, this is, I'm not a genius This is here. the argument for platforms like Signal, mm. where Signal is, uh, it's a messaging platform. It's a where CIA it's encrypted. honeypot. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's WhatsApp. <laughs> they have to be. They have to have something like that. Look, I don't, I don't, I'm not under the illusion. You know, I had Gavin DeBecker on, who is a security expert, who explained to me that the original Pegasus that was invented by, um, I think it was the Mossad, the Israeli government, yeah. invented some, or someone in the, invented this uh, original way of scanning your phone. So what it would be was this is how Jeff Bezos, like uh, the Saudis, Got a hold of, uh, they, they hacked him. He was doing something with them and they picks. sent him, yeah, eventually. But they sent him a WhatsApp link. He clicks on the WhatsApp link and it uploads this Pegasus program to his phone. 
and then because of that, they got access access to all of his stuff. And I think the story goes, I don't want to fuck this up, but I think the story goes that Jeff Bezos' uh, bombshell girlfriend, yeah, her uh, brother, uh, kind of a scumbag, okay. and Bezos is now suing the brother. Make sure that's true. Because he... the brother got access to that, to those things because of this, and then he sold them to tabloids. How did this the brother is, get access to it? I don't know. Oh. Maybe the sister just left the phone laying around. I don't know what happened, but okay. that's how all this is kind of connected to this thing called Pegasus. Okay. And what Pegasus is a spyware that allows people to look in your phone. That's Pegasus 1. He said Pegasus 2, the newest, best version, all they need is your phone number. Whoa. So everything you say online, everything you yeah. say to your friends, everything you say is capable of being monitored. There, there literally are no secrets anymore. The, the best thing about something like Signal is Signal has an auto-delete function. So you could say, I send you a yeah. message, so go fuck yourself, Bridget. Yeah. And that message goes away in five minutes Okay. if I decide to do it that way. Right. I mean, but people can still screenshot, right? They can screenshot Yeah. It. But it doesn't have, like, you don't have a digital record of it the way you have right, with, right. like, text messages or But I'm sure they could go back and find it, right? I'm sure. But I think the, the thing is with this Pegasus thing is they have access to your phone. Yeah. Like, not just every email you send, yeah. every search, every wherever you're going with maps. You know, every time you go to a location, like... Like, your phone knows where home is. You ever notice that? Yeah. Like, oh, do you want to go home with the map? Like, how do you know where I live, bitch? I didn't tell you. It just knows that's where you go every night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was why I was laughing when everybody was like, oh, the tracking devices, and there were all those memes going around. It's like, you, oh, they don't need a tracking device in the vaccines. Like, you have a phone. Yeah. Well, that is just, they thought there was magnets in there and all sorts of wild <laughs> shit. You know, yeah. You, I Go on. No, it's just, it's it's the weird trade-off of this digital life that we live. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's very. I wonder too if that's why the younger generation doesn't have the same. They're like, "What's privacy?" You oh, know, they don't they, give a fuck. They don't. Yeah, they don't. They know that it doesn't really exist. My friend Cameron Haynes, uh, his son is on the TikTok and he's addicted to TikTok. And I was so explaining to them about the privacy violations and all this thing. He's like, "Yeah, but TikTok's awesome. I'm not deleting <laughs> it." He was laughing, but he also doesn't have anything to hide in his mind. You right. Know, he's 25 and doesn't give a fuck. Like, yeah, but you don't have anything to hide. But that's like, well, if you don't have anything to hide, why are you afraid they're going to search your house? Yeah, that you don't fucking... have anything to hide until suddenly something is like all the rules change so quickly now. Yeah. What is allowed and what isn't allowed. And it does seem yeah. there is a very I don't know. I feel I feel more optimistic lately because I, I do think people I saw a lot of people move with their feet. During the pandemic, I that did you see the New York City is reinstating a story that's getting zero press, by the way. Yeah, tell, say that story. Tell everybody the, that story. The New York, um, I think Supreme New York City's Court. being forced to reinstate all the the was it the city employees yes. who were fired for refusing to take the vaccine. Yeah, and with back pay. With back pay, they have to pay them back pay. So all the cops yep. that got fired, all the frontline Ner- workers, yep. which is great. Which is great. Because, the, and the thing they said is it doesn't prevent transmission and it doesn't prevent infection, which is true. Yeah. And this is a thing that people were worried about from the very beginning. Remember when they were saying that breakthrough and very rare breakthrough infections, yeah. breakthrough infections. 
It's all horseshit. And yeah. then did you see where the Pfizer, that woman from Pfizer in the EU, she uh, was testifying and she had to say that they never tested it. Oh, for, yeah, I saw they, that. They, they never tested it to see if it prevented infections. Yeah. They had no data and they were just saying it openly. The, vi- the vaccine prevents infection. They had no data that showed that. The, the New York, uh, that, that was that made me optimistic seeing that because it's such... It is such garbage. Like the Djokovic couldn't come in and play tennis. Right. I'm like how, how how you know people are still getting this when they're vaccinated. Not only that, he's had COVID twice. This is nonsensical. It doesn't yeah. even I don't even care how many times he's had COVID. This is just bullshit at this point because we know this and I don't know this like allergy to science that has taken It's not an allergy to science. It's an allergy to people that oppose a specific ideology. Like, that's why I say about masks. Like, masks, I don't even think these people think masks prevent COVID. It's a way of letting people know that you're a leftist. Like, masks right. are the Democrats' MAGA hat. <laughs> that's what it is. It's letting people know, I'm keeping everyone safe. I've had 18 boosters, and I still wear a it's, mask. I mean, you want to talk about privilege, though. This is people who are allowed to stay home in their bubble and never leave, who are saying this stuff, because... If you were just like a working class person, you were working through the whole pandemic. When we went to see Roger Waters, we all had to wear masks. When we went backstage, we all had to wear masks. Everyone had masks on. Oh, Everyone. Wow. And I asked one of the guys working there, I go, what is this? Because it's wild. I've never seen this before. Not recently. And he said, it is everyone's way of letting everyone know that they're leftists. This is a guy who worked there. He goes, this is, he goes, this is what it is. He goes, just, and so me and Tony... You know, uh, I went with Hinchcliffe. I was like, put your mask on, Tony. Put your mask on. I put my mask on. I go, you should have a fucking mask on. And we were just Did you have the around. option to not wear it? No, you had to wear it. Oh, weird. You had to wear it. Well, we were hanging around with Roger. The idea was that Roger can't afford to get sick because Roger's older. And But meanwhile, I was getting drunk with Roger afterwards. I, mean, I wasn't getting drunk because it's sober October. But Roger's doing shots of tequila. We're all hanging out. There's photos of us all maskless hanging out right. with Roger after the concert. Right. We're all sitting around the table. There's Ari and Tony and yeah, Duncan. Yeah, and Duncan's I saw wife. that. And we're having a great time just chit-chatting, having a blast. But meanwhile, fucking 20 minutes ago, we had to wear a mask. Yeah. It's wild. It's, I don't. Doesn't make any sense. Nope, nope. And all through, I think, like, all of this, another thing that gives makes me optimistic is uh, suddenly CNN the other day was like, how come we're not talking about the children who suffered during the pandemic? It's like, no shit. Yeah. We were screaming about this during the pandemic. I was like, out, that was, this was one of the things that, like, broke broke me. That just made my blood boil was the people who suffered the most that were the people that they said they cared about. Like, you think that these who's going to suffer when the parks are closed? Who's going to suffer when the, it's the kids who can't log in and it's the kids who can't who live in places where they need public parks, not kids with like backyards and a d- device? Well, how about the fucking developmental issues? Oh, man. It's that's the all real my one. all my friends and family who work in childcare are like everybody's behind. Yeah. The kids Everybody. are all behind in learning how to talk. Yeah. Yep. Learning how to read people's facial expressions. I know. It's a key developmental period of these children's lives. So 
children that were like two and one and three years old, like little kids that are learning from people's expressions and how they talk. Now all of a sudden everyone's got like a block yeah. over that. And so it stunts their development. But this is what makes me so mad at progressives and people who are saying like, we need to like shut the schools. And in LA, I think we had the maybe the mo- longest shutdowns. And they're like, that's that's just them protecting everybody else. But these kids are, are behind. And there's already, they do lots of studies about like, like marginalized communities and the summer gap because a lot of kids fall behind over the summer. And this was like a very extended two-year summer gap for a lot of the people that allegedly all of these people, you know, care about. But I'm like, if you cared, you would, you would have these kids back in school. They, they don't get that sick. Well, they didn't adjust, right, when they learned that it wasn't scary for everybody, that the real people that were being affected by this in a dangerous way were old people and overweight people and Mm -hmm. people with compromised immune systems. Mm -hmm. They didn't adjust for that. And we knew they didn't adjust for that. And they were just telling you, you have to do what we say. And that's where it got maddening for people. Yeah. Where they're like, what are you talking about? Especially people that had COVID and got over it. They're like, hey, what are you saying? Because this, I had it. I know what it is. Yeah. And if you're healthy and if you take care of yourself, it's not as bad as if you're not healthy and not taking care of yourself. But you're not saying that. Yeah. You're not te- so you're not providing all the data. All you're doing is acting as propagandists for the pharmaceutical companies that are pushing this one binary solution. You have to do this. Yeah. There's people telling me after I survived from COVID. Survived. <laughs> I survived. I'm a COVID survivor. After, after I was sick for a day. <laughs> after I was sick, people were telling me you should get vaccinated now. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, like, what, you, what the fuck that's are you saying? Sanjay Gupta was saying this to me when I had Sanjay Gupta on. I was like, you know that getting over the disease provides a better protection, seven times better. This is science. So what are you saying? Well, it's even more protection if you get vaccinated. Even more. Even more. No. So what, I get over it in six hours instead of 24? Like, what the fuck are you saying? And it's not protecting other people. It's not. That's, it's not protecting people from transmission. It's not, not protecting people from infection. And selling that idea to people is dangerous because now you have people thinking, I got the vaccine and I'm not going to spread it. And they're spreading it. Yes. And they <laughs> thought they were doing the right thing. So they think everybody should do the thing that they did, which makes sense. Yeah. It's logical. It's logical that if you think you did the right thing and you went and got vaccinated, you're mad that other people didn't. But then once you've gotten all the data and as time goes on we're going to get even more data more and more and more over time and we're going to recognize what these fucking problems really are you've got to adjust to the new data yeah and people don't want to do that because they they had these initial positions they took they dug their heels into the sand and they pointed fingers at everybody who didn't do what they were supposed to do and they didn't take into consideration that throughout history pharmaceutical companies have been full of shit and they are we all know this we all know this and I don't want to shit on, like, I do want to shit on them, but they've done a lot of good things. Sure. You know, there's a lot of medicines. A lot of great There's medicine. a lot of great technology. People's lives have been saved. But this is a, this, we don't trust them. Like, you shouldn't. They're corporations that are only trying to make money. That all that stuff too that came out about like the serotonin and antidepressants and how mm-hmm. there was like no real link <laughs> between. No, no real evidence that it's a chemical imbalance. Like the thing they've sold us on antidepressants for for decades. 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 And everyone's like, you're chemically imbalanced. Actually, there's no evidence you're chemically imbalanced. (laughs) 
<laughs> and there's also some evidence that they're not as effective as regular exercise and and community and happiness purpose. and loved ones and purpose and yeah. No, yeah. I mean this, and I think another thing that made me optimistic. I'm trying to think of things that make me optimistic. Like the NHS coming pulling back from the gender affirming care model. Yeah, that was pretty recent. They and saying like, oh, science is not actually backing up that this is the correct way to deal with gender dysphoria in minors in particular. Well, they're also faced with the real consequences of taking these hormone blockers. Yeah, where they're shown all these health risks that are happening, all these different things that are happening to kids. So these studies are coming out about these hormone blockers because the, the narrative was always you could pause, pause it pause it and it doesn't affect you at all it, like you don't know first of all this is not something you need long-term data on these things to really understand your brain is insane when you're going through puberty and you're gonna add you're gonna just stop that or add testosterone or something how right. can you just fucking chill out <laughs> can yeah. you just wait until well, it's also like, why do you need, if someone is, they feel like they're in the wrong gender, they feel like they should be a woman or they should be a man. If you feel like you identify with a woman and you want to identify as a woman, why do you have to add stuff to your body that you don't even know what the effect is going to be? If you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's this, you're talking about a different thing. Like if you identify as a woman and you, you feel like you're a woman, just be a woman. Yeah. Decide you're a woman. Okay. I'm cool with that. But if you and if you want as a grown adult to try to take hormones to accentuate that or to give you a, a better feeling of what it means to be a woman, like a woman should have estrogen. I want to take estrogen. That's your right. Yeah. You should be able to do that. But to impose that on kids when you don't necessarily know. And I feel so bad for these parents because their kids are in crisis often yeah. and they're getting bad advice. You know, they're they're te they have they're going to professionals and they're saying, I don't know what to do. And they're like, well, let's just go with what the kid wants. And I think we should, you know, write them a prescription. And I know people say it's not that quick, but there's but tons. It is that quick. It is that quick. It is that I've quick had detransitioners on my podcast on Watkins Welcome and their stories are so important, and they all say there was barely more than, like, one or two interviews with, you know, going wherever they went to get their to get started on hormone blockers or started on testosterone or whatever. And even one young woman who came on, she was saying that she was old enough legally to make the decision, but she was still only 20, and I'm like, it's still... She, you know, she's like, I want to take responsibility. I made this choice. But I'm like, you're not even your prefrontal cortex isn't even developed until right. you're like 25. You can't know. And like I've like I've been saying, too, about one of the things I've been kind of radicalized about since I had a kid is in particular with all of these young people who are being pushed to essentially become sterile in many many cases when you start taking the blockers and start going down that road is it's not informed consent because you can't know until you know well you're a baby this is something you can't know until you know i didn't even know i wanted kids or thought i wanted kids until i was like in my 30s you know I, in my 20s i probably would have been like yeah whatever you eat my teats if i was 
Yeet my teeth. That's what they call it. <laughs> That's what they call it. Yeah, there's. It's like gut slang. Well, and... there's also a thing that happens when you take testosterone. You have this euphoria. Like you I'm feel sure. it alleviates anxiety in many people. It gives you a different feeling. Yeah, and t- that, testosterone's awesome. And they they decide like, <laughs> oh, this is what I've been missing. Yeah, this is this is the real me. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's no, and they're sold a lie that you can pause and go back no. and you can't go back. It's, it's, how it's, did this happen? I don't know. And, and I don't, what I don't understand is how in Europe, where they were kind of trailblazing in a lot of this, they're looking at the science and backing off and saying, we need to put on the brakes, not, not push this on young children and pump the brakes and stop, you know, trying to get minor it's like crazy but at least they're looking at the science and saying there's not real a lot enough evidence to suggest that there's less suicide if you start the gender affirming care model versus wait and see which was the old model and now in the united states it feels like just fucking put on the Put the foot on the accelerator and go. Do you think that's because in the United States the pharmaceutical industry has far more influence on on people oh, and society good... and the way things are done? I mean, I don't know. I think there's definitely like a social contagion element to it. Yeah. So there's that. If you have like a movement that's happening from the youth, then and it's every everywhere, even though they want to say that it's not a social contagion, which I'm like this. How can you be a person who's like my age and say this isn't a social contagion? I'm like, look at it happens in groups of friends. Like one 14 year old will identify as they and then pretty soon all the in particular among girls, then they'll all be identifying. This is how can you look at that and be like, this isn't a social contagion. This has always been like this. No, it hasn't. Well, if you look at the number, the uptick. The it's uptick crazy. is wild. What I don't understand is how it's been so, and I just rack my brain and I try to be, have good faith, and I I don't understand how it's been institutionalized. That's what I, you know, even when I was in my, um, like, birthing class that I had to take online, or it didn't have to, but I took it online, and they were referring to everybody as birthing persons through the whole thing. And I Chest wanted feeders. to fucking scream because it's like... the. A, there was, it, as far as I could tell from the Zoom, there just seemed to be a bunch of women. And I'm like, why can't you say women? Even if there's one person, why can't they handle being called a woman? Like, right. why do we have to cater to the 1.01% of the population with this language and all of the language changes? And in, in, I think, like, the, they've changed it in, you know, like federal documents and Here's <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Here's a question. And has this been sorted out? You, you know, that as a person that has been pregnant and has given birth, there's a bunch of stuff you're not supposed to take while you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're, you're breastfeeding. You said, can I take these nutrients that I help don't... your memory? I don't know. I don't take it. You got to be careful. You got to be careful about what, about what skin stuff you use. What about testosterone? Like when, when you see these uh, pregnant men. Oh, yeah. I don't quotes, know. What is how ha- are they off Fair of it? Points. Are they off of it? I, I don't know. I, I would hope so. I would hope so. Google uh, do pregnant men take <laughs> testosterone while they're pregnant. Like this, this... Taking testosterone in pregnancy is not recommended. Do not t- stop taking testosterone before talking with the doctor who is prescribing it for you. 
If you stop taking testosterone, you'll probably start to have periods. You may also notice changes in your body shape around your hips, chest, and thighs. Oh, like you become a woman again? What the fuck? What does testosterone do to pregnant women? Click on that. Uh, elevated maternal testosterone levels during human pregnancy are associated with growth restriction in utero. Our results support animal studies, which have indicated that maternal androgen levels influence... How's that word? Intrauterine. Intrauterine offspring environment and development. Right, of course it does. So what happens to those babies? That it are it given sounds birth like from pregnant men. It's associated with growth restriction. There's a lot of women that push back on the idea of um, someone uh, taking estrogen that's a biological male and becoming a female. But very few men really give a shit about a trans man being called a man. Have you noticed that? There's not like, like hey, we're fucking men. That's not a man. <laughs> Elliot Page is not a man. Men don't do that. We don't care. Yeah, that's, you know why? that's interesting. Because it doesn't encroach into male spaces the way testosterone, like, like, right. like, like a biological male that decides to become a female encroaches into female spaces and tends to use like male behavior right. and and especially in sports like this male dominance of female places like Leah Thomas right like that's a that's a classic example of a biological male dominating a female space but you don't see any of that yeah so there's no threat so like a, a trans man someone who becomes a man they just like buck angel like hey all right you're a man like cool right. guy like I'll call you man. All right, bro. Like, you seem cool. Yeah. I like him. He's cool. I like He's hanging amazing. out. He's amazing. I love great guy. I love Bug. But nobody there's no pushback. Zero pushback. Yeah. Because there's no advantage in, in a sense like they don't dominate male spaces. Like if all of a sudden a tran like if there was some crazy benefit, like a female, a biological female who takes testosterone and then decides to become a trans man and identifies as a man, but then just starts dominating male spaces. Men would be like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. I'm a real man. <laughs> I'm a fucking man man. Yeah. You're not a man. Like men yeah. would get mad, but there's zero pushback. Men don't, like Elliot Page, like there was a lot of people that were like ideologically opposed to it or didn't think it was right or thought it was a bad decision, but hey, that's on you. Right. No men push back against that. Yeah, the well, I understand why women would push back, though. Yeah. I mean, you're, I, I'm, I've been screaming women forever, and you definitely That's our, our text group. Yeah, <laughs> that's the name of our text group. You, you see, you see it like, and there's a reason for female spaces. I interviewed the a couple of the women from the Women's Liberation Front, and they're they're suing. Some of the California corrections for allowing people to just self-identify into female prisons. With penises and getting women pregnant. Predators! <laughs> yes. People who are known predators. Known predators have been arrested as being predators. Yes. Not just like, I think that guy might be fucking fishy. Not like, oh, he stole something from a convenience store and yeah. now he wants Not to- even like he's a player. Like sexual predators. Being like, I'm a girl now, and then they go into a female prison. And nobody, where are the women? Where are the feminists? I don't understand. <laughs> where are the feminists? Well, they're afraid of being ostracized. They're afraid of being attacked because it does happen. Yeah. You, know, you see it with so many of these women like J.K. Rowling 
or Megan or, you know, fill in the yeah. blank, uh, Abigail Schreier, these women who come out and uh, oppose this, mm. they get attacked. Yeah. But you don't see that from men. Like men don't seem to care at all about trans men becoming men. Yeah. Like, okay, you're a man. Yeah, the it's it's definitely getting aggressive too. You know the the protesting. They it's like trans women will show up and protest some of these feminists, and they'll get aggressive and violent. Yes, male like masculine like men do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, because they're biological males, and biological males tend to approach situations in a different way. Have you seen that thing recently where I think it was at a Matt Walsh, uh, he was giving a speech, and there was these women that were holding up these signs, and this trans woman is standing in this lady's face, fucking screaming at her, like, fuck you, bitch, and like, there's one of them, one of them is the, my favorite. It was uh, after Roe v. Wade. There was this trans woman who was uh, protesting Roe v. Wade. Keep your laws out of my pussy! What? Yes. But they'll come after people like my friends who are feminists or me online if you're saying like, oh, if you're pushing for, you know, this is important about women and women's reproductive health. And they'll be like, you know, it's not fair for you to leave us out of the conversation. It's like... (laughs) Bro, I mean, you can't you, reproduce. But like you, that. All, it's also just hijacking a whole movement, and it's yeah. insane to me how quickly the conversation about all of this, like birthing persons, the minute Roe v. Wade stopped, like, oh, suddenly we're using women again. We're because it matters. Yeah, because it does matter. It's so it's. But I just the the thing that I, is baffling to me, and I cannot get my mind around it, is just how it's been again captured institutionally. Yeah. That's all of these things I, I would be like, oh, we'll just outgrow this as a country. But it's all it's institutionalized so much of this. And then you see on like big tech where you get punished, maybe silently or algorithm algorithmically. Is that a word? If you're even pushing back against it well, or you questioning can't it. even have an opinion like Megan, what she got banned from Twitter for was saying a man is never a woman. That's it. Yeah. That's what she said. She was arguing. It was about, I think it was about that case. Yaniv. Yeah, the guy who uh, was a biological male, was going with a penis, fully functional. That was the guy, or the, the trans woman up in Canada yeah. who was like suing the people at the salon. Yeah, shut down. For not waxing these, yeah, her, her balls. Her balls and dick. This person went to different salons and was making them wax yeah. her junk. And they were like, hey. We're not here for dicks. Like, we only do vaginas. <laughs> but didn't it come out, too, that that person is a predator? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. And, and mentally ill. Yeah. One I of just... my favorite ones is this is a trans woman with a beard and wearing a dress that said, uh, some women have penises, and if you don't like that, you can suck my dick. That's what we joked about <laughs> yes. on freaking Dumpster Fire years ago, yes. is that we were so close to suck my dick, bigot. Yes, yes. And it's here. Yes, it's here. It's here, and it's normalized, and people will say it, and they'll put it in signs. Yeah, no, they're, it's, it's fine. fine if you want to go turf hunting. Yeah, if you want to go turf hunting. <laughs> go out. J.K. Rowling, man. I mean, she's getting dragged through the fucking mud. She is, I mean... She's so reasonable, and people are like, all she had to do was be quiet, and all she had to do was enjoy her billions. And it's like, yeah, and she's not. She's fighting 
for Something women's she spaces. Yeah. She doesn't have to. And she's fighting for these young girls who who don't know any better. She's fighting. Yeah, she didn't have to do that. She could have she could have ignored all of this and just enjoyed her money. And she's not. And I think a lot of the people that that jumped in on that pylon, they're going to recognize years from now how fucked up that was. I want people to I I would like when people interview the I just want people on record saying that they're for this. It's like, okay, you believe in gender affirming care. Do you know what that means? That means puberty blockers. That means giving kids different sex hormones. That means like basically child mutilation. <laughs> you you are on record saying that you are for this because I don't think it will stand the test of time. Yeah, it's castration of prepubescent males in many cases. Oh, God, the stories. I mean, the stories are sad. Those are some of the saddest. It's And they're just, it's so sad what happens to detransitioners who come out and push back. And, and you they would, get attacked. Yeah, you would think if you're comfortable in your movement and your choice... Like someone isn't if someone's like, yeah, I drink. I'm not like, you, you drink. You must be a fucking alcoholic then because I quit drinking. <laughs> like right. if you're comfortable in your choice, you don't need to attack people for having a different opinion. Yeah. Or if someone does quit drinking and people say, what are you, a fucking pussy? Yeah. You can't handle the booze. Yeah. They're always. You're not one of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just let people make their choices. But I, I don't think with the ch- with with I don't know. It's like. But it's messing just wild with children is not right. It's wild how prevalent it is. I know. And about it's wild how this this logical perspective is shunned. Yeah, not shunned, but silenced. Yeah, you'll attacked. get attacked. You'll people are afraid to say this around their friend groups. It's another way to kind of signal that you're part of the high status in group is to be like boys and girls aren't different. Yeah. <laughs> It's like what? Yeah, it's it's real strange. It's, I don't, it's real strange to just openly accept all this stuff without any pushback. I think there will be pushback, though. Again, I, I think we're seeing it in Europe, and they were like leaders of this kind of movement, and now it seems like they're coming to their senses a little bit and following science. I, I don't necessarily see that, although we might see it at, in the midterms. You know, like, you, again, people tend to voice their opinion on these things at the ballot when they don't have to voice their opinion. And there are a lot of people that are afraid of talking about right. it. Right. But they're not afraid of voting about it. Right. Because there's a lot of people that are afraid of the reprisal. They're afraid of getting attacked. And they'll s- silently, when they're amongst friends, going, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is going on? Yeah. And those people, that's going to be responsible for the red wave. I think the red wave that's coming is going to be like the elevator doors opening up in The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. I think people are just like, what the fuck are you saying? You're, they're making Republicans. I don't know how they're doing it. It's I had a family member who is an, who's a boomer and a diehard liberal, and they told me when I was home this summer that they would vote for DeSantis. And I'm like, how did you lose this person? Yeah. How did you lose this person? This is a This is a, like, go to the ballot and vote blue no matter what. And you've lost even... The the boomers. You've lost a lot of them that aren't talking about it. Yeah. There's a lot of them. You know, you're seeing in New York City, Hochul, de- like, debating that Republican candidate, that guy gained ground. Like, they're, they're worried about New York becoming Republican. 
which is wild. I was reading last night an article about in Oregon, there is there's an independent woman running and then a Democrat and a Republican. And the Republican, they think, might win. Biden was in Oregon, like stumping for the Democratic candidate because they're so worried Oregon's going to have a Republican governor the first time in 40 years. That's wild. Oregon. Well, it almost happened in New York City or in New Jersey, rather. Oregon. New Jersey <laughs> got down to the wire. And New Jersey's another place yeah. like that. It's always been Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I really think that all the polls and all that stuff, that's indicative of like the the mindset of a lot of people that are willing to take polls. Which is not that many not people. Not that many, but there's a lot of people silently that are like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And it's not just that, it's crime. Crime yeah. is a big one. The way they're handling crime, the way they're releasing people that are committing violent crimes and then putting them right back on the street, people are freaking the fuck out. Yeah. The way they're handling the homeless situation. Yep. The way they're, you see, we looked at this uh, video the other day of uh, in Portland. They were showing uh, discarded needles that they've collected from the streets. They had fucking barrels of them. Yeah. Barrels and barrels of these discarded needles. We I have. Mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean. And it's I, so quick. And it's what's crazy, too, is you. It, there's just this, like, fundamental disdain for the taxpaying people. Look at this. this is this guy. Look at this. Put, put, get it, give me volume on this. Whoa, that is fucking insane. Look at this. How many is that? Who fucking no. Demonstration of how many used needles picked up Which off the streets. Probably a hundred pounds. How how like what what He's is the uh, why is he putting his hands? Well, they're in all it? destroyed. They destroy them. Those are all destroyed needles that they found in Portland. That whole bag. How how over the is course of how long? Like a year? No. No, they're not keeping them. I want to know how long yeah. this was. I don't know, but look at how many. Oh of them my there are. God. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And that's them cleaning it Oregon. up. Oregon. Yeah. This is why they might have yeah. a Republican governor. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the, but like I was saying, the disdain they have for the taxpaying, just like hardworking person, where it feels like they will put, prioritize the criminal before they prioritize the people who just want safe parks for their kids and are paying taxes, that's, I don't understand that. How did that narrative even begin to get established? That's what's so confusing to me. And you know, the big conspiracy theory is George Soros is trying to destroy America and he's funding these left-wing politicians and progressive, you know, uh, district attorneys and they're just, and then he'll fund an even more progressive one to run against them. Why is he trying to destroy America? I think he thinks it's fun. Oh. I think that's his hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's the, that's the conspiracy that's theory. That's the conspiracy? But he spent like... billions of dollars on campaigns. I so mean, you think this is how it's just like been institutionalized and been... And... Well, if you wanted to do it, yeah, that's how you would do it. You would fund like someone... Like DAs who, yeah, and... Yeah. Fund district attorneys, yep. fund politicians that are like super progressive and want to let criminals out and want to, you know, institute laws that don't keep people safe. Yeah. That was, that's how you would destroy cities. If you really wanted to do it, that's how you would do I it. I mean, talk about the Joker letting prisoners free. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all projection. Yeah. Do you remember when that happened? When that movie came out? I remember I went to see it with my wife and we were in the movie theater and we were watching the Joker and she was like, this seems a little too close to it's what's possible. It's a little possible. on the nose, yeah. It's a little too on the nose. I mean, that was the best version of the Joker ever. Ever. 
ever. Because that movie's amazing. It's fucking good. Yeah. And they're doing a Joker 2 right now. Oh, really? Yeah, which is like, where are they going to, are they going to predict the future even further? Because you got to remember, the Joker 1 came out before the pandemic, and everything accelerated during the pandemic. Remember, they were like, there are going to be shootings in the, in the yeah. because of this movie, there are going to be shootings in the movie theaters, and they came out and nothing no. happened, and they but were like, But it did oh. sort of pro- project this feeling that a lot of people that are disenfranchised had yeah that the real problem is the rich people and the powerful and we need to fucking anarchy and take over and shoot everybody in yeah the... and you saw that during the blm protests like some people were sort of embracing that but it's weird they didn't necessarily go after like the people in power and the rich people though a lot of the destruction happened to um like very small businesses. And in the pandemic, one of the things that broke me is the largest transfer of wealth upwardly occurred during the pandemic. And you saw the destruction of small business. My friend Carol Roth is brilliant on this and wrote a book, The War on Small Business, all about this. And she it's it is maddening what happened during the pandemic to small businesses in particular, which yeah. are a huge backbone of America. But they don't really like small businesses because they're independent. Right. They're like, you can't really control them. But do you think that that was a conspiracy or do you think that that was just a byproduct of bad policy? I don't. I. If you want to be conspiratorially minded, you'd say it's, it's a grand orchestrated conspiracy to promote the Great Reset. That's the narrative. Right. And I mean, perhaps it is like, really, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a conspiracy. I'm generally like Michael Shermer, who I think you recently had yeah. on. He's a skeptic. I generally lean towards like how many people would have to believe this in order for it to be true or keep it a secret in order for it to be. Tr- people can't keep secrets. Yeah. But at the World Economic Forum, they're not keeping secrets. No, they're being they're open about, about it. it openly. Yeah. I mean, I think she's working on another book, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it, but I believe it's it, it's addressing a lot of these policies that are like the kind of idea that you will own nothing, you'll live in a pod, you'll eat yeah. bugs. But the the small business stuff was infuriating because you had things like Walmart allowed to stay open, little local store had to shut down. So these little mom and pops all got destroyed. And even during... Um, the George Floyd riots, I donated, I used to live in Minneapolis. One of the places I went to after rehab was right down the street from that police station on Lake Street that like burned down. And it was, that neighborhood is all small businesses. And I, I still get emails for them. They're like two years later and we're raising more money and they're still rebuilding. They're still trying to bring back, you know, the, like two years after the damage, they're still trying to fundraise and bring back it it was it was very destructive for people they lost their whole business and livelihoods yeah and it takes a long time for things to come back yeah it's easy to destroy things yeah but to rebuild them yeah it takes forever yeah i mean you see it with natural disasters like the the hurricane in florida which weirdly i mean the destruction down there is so bad I don't, that's a weird one too. I don't know why that didn't get like, it feels like it just came through and then they're like, well, good luck, Florida. 
Yeah. I, it's, well, there was a lot of the narrative with like the people of Florida. Like, yeah, well, that's what you get for denying climate change. Oh, my God. That's which is crazy. Not, not a charitable way to go through life. Horrible, because how many of those people were actually left wing? How many of those people are Democrats? How many of those people didn't deny climate change? They just happened to live in Florida. Yeah. They got fucked by a natural disaster. Yeah. It used to be like people had sympathy for people during natural disasters. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a weird time to be in America. I mean, it's definitely like it feels on edge. You know, everyone feels a little bit on edge and like the Joker movie. And you said this. This is at, at its core. I think it is a class war. It's just m- masked by all of this division. And right. I do think there's a lot of resentment and people are mad, but they're not they're they're it's easier to like be mad at your neighbor than it is to be mad at nancy pelosi right but did you see that freaking amazing it went viral it was the guy right after roe v wade and he was mad at the democrats for sending him emails and he was like quit sending me emails and he starts going through how many how much all of the people who are sending him emails democratic leaders were worth yeah it is well, they were asking for money. I should find it. Yeah. After Roe v. Wade, they're like, you got to give us money. <laughs> I mean, they just used, it was total opportunism. Yeah, but he's like, Nancy Pelosi. It it's the funniest rant. I Did you see her it. husband got attacked last night? Yeah, I saw, I Some saw that. Some guy broke into their house and attacked him with a hammer. Do they know why? I don't know. Was it like I mean, just I just a, saw the story Supposedly early. he was asking where Nancy was. Oh, Jesus Christ. He attacked the husband with a hammer, hit him in the head with a fucking hammer. Oh, geez. How bad is he? Is he okay? Um, I believe I read non-life-threatening injuries, but he is in the hospital. I think he was having surgery. I'm checking. That's scary. How? Now. Okay, how do they have no security? Yeah, how Isn't do they she not like know the, the people third? hate them? Isn't she like the third in line, though, for being president? The assailant was yelling, where is Nancy, according to a person briefed in the assault. Her husband, Paul Pelosi, was hospitalized, and the police said the suspect would be charged with attempted homicide. So... What happened? Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, was violently assaulted by a man who broke into the couple's home in San Francisco early Friday morning. David, scroll back up. Uh, David DePape, DePape, 42, said they were investigating a possible motive. The suspect is David DePape. They were investigating a possible motive. The details, San Francisco police responded to a break-in at Paul Pelosi's residence at 2.27 a.m. Um, Friday, Chief William Scott said in a news conference, the assailant who pulled a hammer from Mr. Pelosi and violently attacked him in front of the police officer in front of police officers. What? What? The intruder was in search of Speaker Pelosi, according to a person briefed in the attack, and confronted Mr. Pelosi in the couple's home shouting, Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? A spokesperson for the speaker said in a statement that Mr. Pelosi, eighty two, was taken to the hospital where he was receiving excellent medical care. What? A person with the same so he might have had a hammer and the guy took the hammer from him? Because it said he, it said he pulled a hammer from Mr. Pelosi and violently attacked him in front of the police. What? This story is so weird. Well, how did the police not stop that? How from did happening? they not stop that? A person with the same name as the suspect posted a number of conspiracy theories on social media. What does that mean? What? I don't like how you said that. Like, tell me what he posted. Don't say conspiracy <laughs> theories to make it seem like he was crazy. Although it could not be confirmed whether the posts were linked to the intruder. Mr. Pelosi, Mrs. Pelosi was in Washington, D.C. with uh, her protective detail at the time of the break-in. So I, she has weird. a protective detail. Yeah, but they're rich enough to have security. Come yeah, on now. Durr. 
Well, they stole enough money to <laughs> fund security for a long time. They, they've been involved in fucking insider trading forever. I mean, that's what this rant is about. I sent it to you if you want to play it. It's Here, the most amazing thing. Three San Francisco police officers responding to an emergency call burst into the home of Speaker Nancy Pelosi in the early morning to find her 82-year-old husband and an intruder grappling over a hammer. What? Yeah, so he pulled out a hammer, tried to stop this guy. That's all he has. Because in San Francisco, it's hard to get a gun. As Police Chief William Scott described the scene of a news conference later in the day, the intruder ripped the hammer out of the grip of the Speaker Pelosi, uh, Speaker's husband, Paul Pelosi, and violently assaulted him with it in front of the officers. Jesus, this is just, what are these officers doing? Wow. Wow. I, I sent you the rant. Um, what is it? It's the rant of the guy. Oh, no, it's it's guy? the guy that I was talking about who did the most hilarious rant. It is, and I think he really tapped into a lot of the. I have to pee really bad, so yeah. I'm gonna send this to Jamie, and then we'll come right back. Here, Jamie, I'll send you this. Bam, we right back. Okay, play that rant. It's the best. I mean, maybe not in light of what happened to Mr. Pelosi, but. Well, let's see it. <laughs> I hope he recovers. I love this guy. About this, I'm not because I can't yell at the Republicans. They're not going to change. They are who they are. We're stuck with them. We're not going to change them. You can't shame them. You can't <laughs> convince them. You can't trick them. You can't fucking outplan them. But I can yell at the Democratic Party and I can tell them where they can at least make one fucking small change to stop pissing me the fuck off every hour right now. Stop sending me. Stop sending me fundraising requests right now, okay? The Republican Party had a plan for the last 50 years to overturn Roe v. Wade. We had a, a leak five weeks ago telling us that this exact thing was gonna happen. And your response after five weeks of careful study and planning and thought has been to send us nonstop <laughs> fundraising emails. All right, so let me just read you a quick list. Mark Warmer, Mark Warner. He's the Democratic senator from Virginia. He's worth $214.1 million. Don Beyer, he's a Democratic Virginia House member. He's worth $124.9 million. Dean Phillips, he's, the, he's a Minnesota uh, House member. He is worth $123.8 million. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the fucking House of the Democratic Party from California, is worth $114.7 million. Dianne Feinstein, who doesn't know where the fuck she is right now, <laughs> the Senator from California, part of the Democratic Party, is worth $87.9 million. Million. You guys want money? Fucking call your guy. You call him every week to do insider trading. <laughs> Stop fucking sending me emails. Stop sending me fucking texts. Stop fucking reading poems and singing goddamn karaoke. You have power. You have it. You're in those seats. We're the ones who are powerless. Stop fucking pretending you're protesting. If you don't want to fucking do it or it's too hard, fucking retire. You're rich as shit. You don't need to do anything. If I had $114.7 million, Nancy Pelosi, you know what I do? First thing, I get my fucking husband a driver so he doesn't get a goddamn DUI. Second thing, you know what I'd do? I'd be on a fucking boat. I'd be on a fucking boat. $114.7 million. And you want to send me a fucking email asking me for 15 bucks? <laughs> Bitch, in the last three years, you sent us, what, one and a half checks? Stop it. The Democratic Party has lost the thread completely. All leadership of the Democratic Party needs to be thrown out and replaced. 
And here's the thing, if you're over 65 or you're worth, I don't know, let's just do an arbitrary number here, uh, $10.7 million, you're done. You're not in leadership. Because <laughs> that is the poorest member of the top 50. It's crazy. Democratic members of the House. You don't care. You don't care. You just want to stay in the seat. Fuck you. Good for him. So it went viral. Good for him. It's so That's good. That's fucking good. It's so good. Good Those are the people that I think everyone is mad. It is like, how are they so rich? They're supposed to be public servants. How'd they get that rich? They're supposed to. Insider trading. I know. I I had a, I talked to this woman who has a, uh, oh God, I'm totally blanking right now and I want to get her name right. Um, What what was the other video you're going to play, Jamie? I'm going to remember her name. Was there another video that he said? Yeah, the people trolling oh, Twitter headquarters. Okay. <laughs> we'll play this. Let's see. Is that happening? Yeah. Um These are people that are uh, pretending to be Twitter employees that were fired. I mean, a free speech is, you know, Nazis saying <laughs> that uh, you know, trans women shouldn't, you know, use women's uh, locker rooms, then awesome, I guess, mission accomplished. We'll see. Listen, I got to touch base with my husband and wife. I got to get out of here, all right? Thank you, guys. Sorry. Daniel, thank you. Well, that's not that good. Now, wait, yeah, we're just like, they're not, they're not digging into it. Him and the other guy that were with him had fake names that were like Ligma Johnson. Those were the last names, and that's like internet culture for like, suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Johnson. Yeah. I have to go touch base with my husband and wife. My husband and wife. Uh, well, that's not that good. Uh, not compared yeah. to that last rant. Oh, God. I, I watch it like once. It gives me life. It just. Well, I, that's the Joker. The Joker revol- revolts against that shit. I mean, yeah. That, that's the shit that should infuriate everybody. It should infuriate all of us. Super wealthy people that have gotten wealthy by scamming the system. And yeah. that's what they're doing. They're pretending that they're helping people. They're pretending that they're in that position of power and they're going to help people. They're going to help people. And then, Nancy, do you think you should stop insider trading? I know. No. <laughs> She'll publicly say she's, she's for it. Publicly and Privately, it. like, probably undermine the whole thing. When they first confronted her, she said, I know. I think we should be allowed to participate. Of course. Of course you do. Of course you do. You yeah. made $100 million on a $100,000 a year salary. It's I, fucking bananas. That That's, I mean, there's, that's, that rage, I felt it in my soul. And it, it really was my, it tapped into like my 20 year old, like liberal roots. You know, I know I've said before on here, like I was AOC in my 20s. Yeah. And I, I really understand that because she, say what you want about AOC, but she's working class. She came from, the working class and was a bartender. So I feel like at least it's nice to have someone and they hate her because she's... But don't you think you start that way? And then when you get into that system, if you want to succeed, you want to succeed in that system, you become a part of that system. Yeah. You, you become like, what? what does that system amplify? What does that system reward? It rewards compliance with the party. And that's what she seems to be doing. And that's why, like, at her town halls, they become a clusterfuck now because people are screaming at her. Like, you're supporting war. Yeah. You're supporting sending money to Ukraine. It's going to get us all fucking killed. Yeah. You've seen all that. That is wild. Yeah, I well, saw she, something. And the thing is, like, she's the one who said that people should, we should make these people uncomfortable. Right. We should make people uncomfortable. But now it's coming back to her. Right. 
Well, because now she's in power. Well, these fucking people, when they get into that position, they realize what is that position? You want to be president? Do you want to play ball? Yeah. You you want to you want to keep fucking kicking ass and get further up the ladder? Maybe you can help people when you do. Maybe you can help people, but you got to play ball. And they're all playing ball, and she's playing ball. Yeah. I think that there, I'm thinking of this podcast I did the other day with this woman, and I think it's called, oh my gosh, again, brain, my brain is mush. My brain is mush. Um, but I like giving people the right credit when it's due. And she has this podcast, and she came on and was talking about how really it's like they, they do, the best faith interpretation is that these leaders do think they're helping people, but it's helping one another. They're helping the investor class is what she called it and not the working class. And so she's like, well, Nancy Pelosi does. They just aren't dealing with people who work for a paycheck. Yeah, They're working with people who make their money in dividends. And so they are helping those people and they're helping themselves. Yeah. And then they do things where they it's it's a signal that they're doing the right thing. Like one of the things that Biden did. Biden came out and said, we are going to release all the people that are in jail for marijuana possession in federal prisons. <laughs> but it was like no one. There's no one. <laughs> That's how many people are in jail for marijuana possession in federal because prisons. Because they all pretty much have been released. Yeah. It's usually they have another crime attached if they're still in jail. Right. For marijuana possession. The people that are in jail federally are growers. Right. And, you know, how about release those people? <laughs> if, if it's okay to possess it, why isn't it okay to grow it? It's called Congressional Dish. And it's this woman, Jennifer Briney, she came on my podcast and she was talking about she does what she does with her podcast, which I really should start listening to, is she gets into like every bill and what's being put into it. So she'll look deeply into the bills. Which is and a lot of work. A lot of work. Because those things are huge. A lot of work. And she'll go and she, you know, I asked her, like, how do you get over your biases? She's like, I'm just open about my bias because I don't think you can get around them. And so she has this podcast where she'll go in and look at like some of the crazy stuff that gets passed attached to one bill that's for one thing. I just don't understand how, again, that's like, give legal. Give us an example. Um, like she gave the example of, um, um, uh, let me think, the, the bill that she was talking about that a lot of things were attached to was – I think there was a lot of stuff with like the PPP loans mm -hmm. where the and last minute things get attached all the time. The example she gave was of the government like shutdowns, the debt ceiling, and they'll always cram in all these different things that they want to pass because they're basically like nice government you have there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. And then they try and get these other crazy things that have nothing to do with the government shutting down. Like what? Um. Oh, gosh. Why is my brain mush, Joe? There, there was one with um, the debt ceiling recently that she was talking about, and I cannot, for the life of me, remember it. It was, it was. They're always doing this. You can, um, but that's commonplace. It's common to do that's this. What they do, like, and they'll put it in a, a, a bill that has a name like uh, "Let's help poor kids." The, let's right. help poor kids bill. But let's. I also, wish I had a better example. Yeah. There, there's, there's. Justin Amash, when he was on the podcast, was talking about how it shouldn't be like this. It should be like you have a bill for one thing and it's not 2,000 pages that every that no one's read that they get two days before it's supposed to pass. Right. With everybody's kind of special interests that they've tacked in. 
I wish I had a better. There are so many good examples of just like ridiculous things tacked into bills that are ostensibly for one thing. And then it's like, but we need to. But how does that ever get fixed? If if people become a part of that system once they get elected and then they go to Washington and they see how it all works and they see what it takes to succeed. And that's that's the job that they're in. They're in this business to try to succeed and you want to keep getting elected and you want to keep working with all those people. That's your job now. Yeah, but it's not working with all the people. It's the special interests who they're they're being funded by. It's right. like the pharmaceutical companies and the whoever might be funding their next campaign. So they're not working for the people. They're, of course. They're working for the corporations. That's so, what I mean. How do you fix this? I would say you would make it so that you would have to pass a law where it has to just be one one thing per bill, which you, we could do. It doesn't have to be like this. You could set maybe term limits so we don't have insane people who are in their 80s and don't know where they are yeah. running the country still. I think there are definitely ways we could fix it, but the problem is the people empowered, they don't want to fix it. You need people who... You need people in these positions who don't necessarily want power, but right. and nobody nobody wants to run for the that. The corporate run media that's just gaslighting everybody. Right, of course. To try to like we were talking about the debate how MSNBC was like, you know, what he's has has a problem <laughs> forming a sentence, but he doesn't have any cognitive decline. The like, Fetterman Oz debate. Yeah, how the fuck do you know he doesn't have cognitive decline? Can like, he, he drive? He seems like he does. I want to know if he can drive. I feel like that would be a good sign of whether or not he has cognitive decline. Right. I have cognitive decline from <laughs> being a mom. <laughs> no, th- that, I couldn't even watch it. It felt, it felt mean. You know, oh, that's what I wanted to know. Find out if that debate is actually being uh, removed from the internet. See if you can find the debate. Because the, that's the Reddit conspiracy uh, thread, is that people are removing that debate, and it's difficult to find. Like, Duncan was telling me this last night, and I said, I, I need to look into that. What are the, that true? What are the polls saying, like, after that? Is it, it feels, what is maddening about this situation with this debate, which I couldn't even, people on Twitter were saying it was really bad, and, like, it was hard to watch, and I think if you have em- any empathy, this is hard to watch, but... It's also maddening because how entitled are you as a party that you're just going to be like, you have to vote for this person or you're ableist? They're calling people ableist for not supporting <laughs> a guy Betterman. With, a guy with some clear brain issue. You yeah. Know, he literally had a stroke five months ago. Yeah. And I had Dr. Phil on yesterday. And Dr. Phil was explaining like the worst thing that you can do, the worst thing you could do for someone like that. Put them in a position of stress. Yeah, that's what. That's why it's hard from. It's hard to watch. We used to kind of give, like Biden. We used to make fun of Biden all the time on Dumpster Fire because he's the most powerful man in the world, and you should. But lately, it just feels sad. Did you find the debate? It's available. I found a bunch of clips. I found the debate. I don't what. So the Reddit people are full shit. I don't mean you probably can't upload somebody else's content in one way. So well, this is Florida. Oh, this is a news debate about the whole thing. Then this. Was oh, so this is a, a news piece. This is a news opinion piece about the, the debate. See if you can find the actual debate. Um, I've definitely found clips of it. Yeah, but is the actual debate available? The primary source. Because when you people are saying, "Oh, well, the clips—they're taking them out of context," and if you look at the whole thing, he didn't do that bad, and he made some really good points, and he had some good comebacks. 
I don't like the fact that he wears hoodies everywhere. Like <laughs> I wear hoodies, but this is because this is what I actually wear. You know? I Why mean, do you think he wears them? Because he wants to look like a common man. Oh. He's literally wearing Carhartt hoodies. Oh. That's contrived. Like, you know what Carhartt is? Yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, they're, they're like working class, yeah. like real they're durable the clothes. Pants. They make great, great shit. Best pants. Make great everything. Yeah. It's all fucking super durable stuff. Yeah. Right? So he's wearing that. Like, you know, I'm a hard working man. Yeah. yeah. I'm out there. I'm a working class yeah. dude. What yeah. did he do? I don't know. Oh, okay. Maybe he, maybe he was a working class. <laughs> yeah, so here's the actual debate. That's, this is an hour-long video. Okay, but give me... So that's not true. So people that were saying that, it's not true. They they haven't removed the debate. We've fact-checked something. Yeah, we've fact-checked this. So get, get, play, play some Pennsylvania, of it. Pennsylvania, that ever got knocked down, that needs to get back up and fighting for all forgotten communities all across Pennsylvania, that also got knocked down, that needs to keep get back up. Thank you very much, Mr. Federer. Mr. Oz, you are a doctor, a businessman, and television personality. But this is your first run for elected office. What qualifies you to be a U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania? You have 60 seconds. I'm running for the U.S. Senate because Washington keeps getting it wrong with extreme positions. I want to bring civility, balance, all the things that you want to see because you've been telling it to me on the campaign trail. And by doing that, we can bring us together in a way that has not been done of late. Oh, Democrats, God. Republicans talking to each other. John Fetterman takes everything to an extreme, and those extreme positions hurt us all. Let's take crime as an example because it's been such a big problem. Maureen Faulkner accompanied me today to the studio. You know that her husband was a police officer in Philadelphia. He was brutally murdered. John Fetterman, during this crime wave, has been trying to get as many murderers convicted and sentenced to life in prison out of jail as possible, including people who are similar to the man who murdered her husband. He does it without the, with the rest of the parole board agreeing. He's doing it without the families on board. These radical positions extend beyond crime to wanting to legalize all drugs, to open the border, uh, to, to raising our taxes. I want Washington to be civil again. What you need it to be less radical. John Fetterman, unfortunately, okay. would bring that. Mr. Oz, thank you. Lisa, Hold on, stop. Pause, 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 pause. How crazy is it that you have someone who is running for the Senate and it's an extremely influential and powerful position and you limit their expression to what was that, 30 seconds? <laughs> I and mean, I think I speak for ding, most ding, Americans. Ding, well, ding, 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 That's enough. I think I speak for most Americans when I say these are our options. This is the well, this that, is the what he best said we can do. Fairly reasonable. Did you, yeah, I mean, if but he really wants to bring people together. Then they used to talk for hours before they had these things, though. I think yeah. they would go for days, maybe sometimes. Well, that's what Lincoln used to do. They used yeah. to do it with no microphone. Well, like, wrap it up. Oz had a, a big gaffe too, where he was trying to be like a common man in a grocery store that went viral. It was Who? so bad, Oz. Well, Oz was investigated for promoting fake weight loss. <laughs> do you know that? No. Like he was he was brought in front of Congress. This was a real issue. Google this. Oz promoted something that he he's a doctor. He's an actual doctor. Mm -hmm. And he promoted something that he was calling a miracle weight loss cure because they were selling it. Right. And they were selling it on his fucking show, which is, you know, Dr. Oz. Right. So he's supposed to be an expert. And he's saying it's a miracle weight loss cure. It didn't do fucking jack shit. Listen, there's no miracle weight loss no. cure. It doesn't exist. You want, well, actually, there's this semaglutide that a lot of the celebrities are taking. Is it apparently, new? Yeah, it's some peptide. 
I feel that, like I've heard about this. This is new, that the, the Kardashians are supposed to be taking. Dr. Oz hit with class action over miracle weight loss supplement claims. Yeah, but he was actually forced to testify about this, and he admitted that it was not true. I had a bit I was doing it for a while, that he's Oprah's bitch, and that uh, Oprah's his pimp, and that she's like, you know, basically, you don't let my girl back on the street, right? Because, like, she makes a lot of money off of his show. Yeah. If you have a fucking doctor show, and you say something that is absolutely not true, and you're selling something that's absolutely not a miracle, you probably shouldn't be doing that anymore. Isn't... What, oh, find yeah. out what that what he was uh, forced to, that he was forced to testify and see if we could find the video. Wasn't there some controversy with Dr. Phil too, or was I is that someone else that I'm thinking of? I don't know about that. We'll find out. But he's my boy, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> product safety and insurance. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Product safety and insurance during a hearing on false advertising in the diet and weight loss industry. He presented his role clearly as the victim of unscrupulous advertisers' vicious attempts to twist his words to sell diet pills. He was perfectly positioned to help Congress curb the tide of deceptive advertising. There was only one problem with the doctor's plan. Inside the hearing room, the members of the subcommittee had cast him in a different role, not as the victim of scheming fraudsters, but as the fraudster himself. And I Scroll repeat, down. these are our options. For the duration of the hour-long hearing, members of the subcommittee lined up one after another to grill America's doctor for statements he made on the Dr. Oz show, his daytime cable program on health and wellness, laying into him for endorsements of the miraculous powers of green coffee extract and the fat-burning magic of raspberry ketone. From his spot behind the, well, the witness table, Oz refused to back down. He brandished printouts of scientific studies to defend his statements about various weight loss supplements and cited transcripts of his TV appearances to show how advertisers had taken his words out of context. At one point during the question and answer portion of the testimony, Senator Claire McCaskill, the subcommittee's chair, drew visibly agitated at Oz's evasiveness, blurting out, I've tried to do a lot of research in preparation for this trial, and the scientific community is almost monolithic against you. It was a hearing, not a trial, but McCaskill's slip was telling. The committee was trying to put pseudoscience on trial, and Oz was the star witness. Hmm. Seven years after his dressing down at Capitol Hill, Oz is making a bid to return to Washington. Duh, 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 duh. Wow. See if you can find the, um, the the testimony, because the testimony, he was forced to say that it wasn't a weight loss miracle. Did he get in trouble at yeah, all? Yeah, I think he got fined. Oh, okay. But I need to find out if that's true. Senator scold Dr. Oz for diet. Just click on that. Let's see what it says, because it's only <sighs> a minute and a half. This is, this is the options. These yeah. are options. A, a fraudster and a stroke victim. Well, maybe he was scam. I mean, I don't know. What the fuck? Let's see what actually happened. <laughs> Here it goes. Out, Dr. Oz. I, I, you know, I, I get that you do a lot of good on your show. Um, I understand that you give a lot of information that's great information about health, and you do it in a way that's easily understandable. You're very talented. You're obviously very bright. You've been trained in science-based medicine. Now, here's three statements you made on your show. You may think magic is make-believe, but this little bean has scientists saying they found the mag magic weight loss cure for every body type. It's green coffee extract. Quote, I've got the number one miracle in a bottle to burn your fat. It's raspberry ketone. Quote, Garcinia Cambogia, it may be the simple solution you've been looking for to bust your body fat for good. 
I don't get why you need to say this stuff because you know it's not true. I actually do personally believe in the, in the items that I talk about in the show. I, I passionately study them. I recognize that oftentimes they don't have the scientific muster to present uh, as fact, but nevertheless, I would give my audience the advice I give my family all the time, and I've given my family these products. And when you call a product a miracle and it's something you can buy and it's something that gives people false hope, I just don't understand why you need to go there. My job, I feel, on the show is to be a cheerleader for the audience. And when they don't think they have hope, when they don't think they can make it happen, I want to look, and I do look everywhere, including in alternative healing traditions, for any evidence that might be supportive to them. I will um, just tell you that um, I, I know you feel that you're a victim, but sometimes conduct invites being a victim. Now, let's Google whether or not that shit actually works. Does any of that shit actually work? <laughs> it's certainly not a miracle. There's no fucking miracles when it comes to weight loss. It's real calories in, calories out. And it's also some things that promote inflammation, like we talked about with seed oils and, you know, you know processed corn syrup and all that shit. It, it, it makes people fatter. And yeah. it also promotes excess calorie consumption because it's very addictive. That stuff, yeah, if you can get that out of your diet, but it's not a miracle. No. It's science. It's real clear cause and effect. But uh, did he think this was science? Maybe. I, I saw, maybe. suddenly had a vision of you being like, Nero, the, this gum does work. Yeah, but it does. There's science behind that. <laughs> no, that's I the know, difference. It's double blind placebo But that's what I'm wondering. Does, Here it goes. Did he think there was there science? There is no evidence that raspberry ketones cause weight loss in humans. And rat studies that suggest they may work use massive doses. Huh. Yeah, like, was he rats misled? probably got sick from it and didn't eat as much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Massive doses of raspberry ketones. Like, this is gross. The rats are like, I'm just going to fucking lose weight. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering is like, why did he think this stuff worked or was he just lying? I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's selling his show is uh, about, like, you know, getting people engaged and self-improvement and yeah. all that stuff. And maybe he just exaggerated the effects. But you can't say miracle. No. Because if it was a miracle, everybody who takes it would go, six-pack, bang. Yeah. You know, and that's not real. There's, that's not real. There's no easy way to lose weight. No. Unfortunately. No. Maybe the semaglutide shit. Yeah, tell me about this. Yeah, this is a it's, a, it's a peptide, I believe. And it's an injectable, I believe. Um, I think it's, uh, I think the injected into fat. And I think, from what I understand, I'm, I'm butchering this, but Jam, you'll find out the, the facts. I think what it does is it suppresses your appetite, and it, it gives you the sensation that you're full. Okay. And uh, the word like is, this is the word. <laughs> I haven't investigated this past discussing it on this podcast. I should be really transparent about that. But it, people have said that using it is causing them to lose weight, and the, 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 you know, the narrative is that all these people that are fitness influencers or you know, public people, influencers yeah. online – that have lost weight are using this semaglutide. Oh. Yeah. That's I, so shady. Yeah, but I don't know if they're saying that they use it and promoting that they use it or if other people are pointing to this is what's causing them to lose weight. Right. I don't know that any social media influencers are telling people to take these peptides. No, I mean, it's shady when you do something like that and then you're like, it's just the squats. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And not saying, like, this isn't. Yeah. It's a Brazilian butt lift also. <laughs> Semaglutide, sold under the brand names Wigovi and Ozempic, among others, is an anti-diabetic medication used for the treatment of type 2 diabetes and long-term weight management. 
Um, what does it do? One week, once weekly semaglutide in overweight and obesity, semaglutide injection. Go back to that page that you were just on. And what does it say? What does semaglutide do to your body? Click on that. Above that, right there. Semaglutide injection is a class of medications called uh, incretin memetics. It works by helping the pancreas release the right amount of insulin when blood sugar levels are high. Insulin helps move sugar from the blood into other body tissues where it is used as energy. Hmm. So is semaglutide good for weight loss? Click on that. Semaglutide treatment effect in people with obesity trials have shown the efficacy of semaglutide for the treatment of obesity. In large RCTs, random controlled trials, patients receiving semaglutide 2.4 milligrams lost a mean of 6% of their weight by week 12 and 12% of their weight wow. by week 28. So that's legit. Huh. But again, science. Right. It's seven months, though. Right. So yeah, seven months. But that's a lot of weight. Losing twelve percent of your weight, and if you, you lose, uh, if you're a hundred pounds, that's you're losing twelve pounds in seven months. Twelve percent of your not, weight is legitimate. It's not miracle, but it's legitimate weight loss. Twelve and you, pounds in seven months, though. I mean, twelve percent, not twelve pounds. Well, if you're hundred pounds, your no, oh, if you're no, hundred right. pounds, he that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But this is. I, I don't know that anybody that's 100 pounds would be taken. It'd be people that are overweight, though. Right, but I'm just saying it's 12, that's 12%. Right, right. I'm just giving you an example okay. of what 12% is. So uh, right, weight so loss outcomes more. associated with semaglutide. So that's – click on that. JAMA Network, weight loss, outcome, weight loss outcomes associated with semaglutide. So key points – uh, is treatment with semaglutide associated with weight loss outcomes similar to those seen in the results of randomized control uh, trials findings? In this cohort study of 175 patients with overweight or obesity, the total weight loss percentage achieved were 5.9% at three months and 10.9% at six months. Huh. Semaglutide treatment in a regular clinical setting was associated with weight loss similar to that seen in randomized clinical trials would suggest its applicability for treat treating patients with overweight or obesity. I mean, they will figure something out eventually, right? Well, this seems at least to be partially successful. Yeah. Uh, objective, study weight loss outcomes associated with semaglutide treatment at doses used in randomized clinical trials for patients with overweight or obesity. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So this is a total of 408 patients with body mass index of 27 or more were prescribed weekly semaglutide subcutaneous injections for three months or more. Patients with a history of bariatric procedures taking other anti-obesity medications and with an active malignment neoplasm were excluded. And the exposures weekly 1.7 milligrams or 2.4 milligrams semaglutide subcutaneous injections for three to six months. The main outcome, so that's what we read. Uh, so it looks like it does have some efficacy. Huh. Yeah. They're, I feel like they'll find a quick fix. 24, uh, 23% achieved weight loss of 15% or more, and 8% received a weight loss of 20% or more. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. So with some people, it's really effective. The results of this cohort study suggest that weekly 1.7 milligram and 2.4 milligram doses of semaglutide were associated with weight loss similar to that seen in randomized controlled clinical trials. So it seems like it works. Wow. Studies with longer periods of follow-up are needed to evaluate prolonged weight loss outcomes. 
Oh. I kind of wonder what kind of diet. <laughs> There's the rub. They did well, the the, wor- the rub is that you have to probably continue using it. Yeah. What was that, Jamie? What kind of diet and working out they did during that six month yeah, period? Yeah, I'm curious yes. too. Right. Did they live their life normally and not mm-hmm. change anything, or mm-hmm. was this a part of like a overall health plan mm-hmm. where they're mm-hmm. trying to like improve their health? Yeah. Was this the only thing they did, right. or were they like, oh, they also made a lot of lifestyle changes that they would ran cause six you to miles a day, <laughs> lose they weight. only ate green vegetables and lean meat and yeah i have to, last time i was here we were talking about paternity leave and i was on the fence and now after having c-section i am pro paternity leave at least for a month i needed i needed oh, yeah. help no women most certainly need it i freaking needed the help i couldn't even you can't yeah. lift anything right i was that was one thing that was shocking to me about um the recovery from the c-section those that early like six weeks it's i was i didn't for some reason because my mom had five and i don't remember and so many kids i don't remember her being she was younger though i don't remember her being so laid up but it was it was bad well any surgery yeah any any time you get your body cut like yeah that, like you there's a long recovery period yeah and especially when you get into your 40s yeah. It's difficult for your body to respond and, and recover. Well, that's the other thing, too, with like ha- why I tell people don't wait to have the babies because it gets more dangerous as you get older. And because I'm a geriatric pregnancy, they don't let you like go over your do that after I think like 40. They don't want you to go over your due date. So mm. a lot of times people will naturally go into labor at like 41 weeks. But when you're a geriatric, they get nervous because the numbers go slightly up of there being a stillborn. That's a weird word, geriatric. That's what, after 35. Isn't that wild? 35. It's not wild, though. It's not wild because it gets much harder. Even And I feel like there's been a lot of constructive pushback against that kind of narrative that women have been sold that you can just kind of wait until your late 30s to have kids because you you can't always. You might be able to freeze your eggs and you might be able to take some measures, but it's still much, much harder to get pregnant late 30s, early 40s. The problem is like so many people are just trying to figure out their life. Like they don't necessarily want to have kids when they're young because they're like, God, I have so many dreams and aspirations of course. and career stuff. Trade-offs. Yeah. I mean, off. I got lucky. That that's it. It was she truly is like she might be the last egg that I might go directly into menopause on this podcast. <laughs> 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 I oh. might. I mean, it's it was I it was totally a fluke. They told me I could not have kids. They told she was I I was 42 years old when I got pregnant with her and I I I think a large part of the problem too is like People aren't meeting their partners until later as well. Well, also, like, you don't kind of know who you are until later in life. Like, life is so much more complicated now than when people died at 30. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's and, and people didn't necessarily die at 30 but because that... they died of old age at 30. It's like, when they talk about people dying really young back in the day, a lot of it is infant mortality that has to be factored in to the percentage of, of the age. But, you know, people today are living longer and a lot of people have careers, and you don't want to sacrifice your career. But there's th- that goes back to my paternity thing. There's not much support, right? Like there, we. This is another area where I become a single issue voter. Who is supporting mothers? Mm-hmm. There isn't support for a woman to go have a baby at thirty and come back to her career in a year. 
we just don't have that kind of support for in culturally and in a lot of the workplace. It's just not there. In well, this- coming back for a, in, in a year, the problem is if you're a person who's running a business and you have someone that works for you and they're a key part of your business and they go, I want to take a year off. You're yeah. like, okay, well, who's going to do that job? I understand. And I have to pay you for a year? I understand. I am I have a small business, but I still being, being uh, I would want to create a business that supported that. I, I Because it's something. Ideally. I, ideally, yes. But that is the kind of, I think, ethos that I would want to create for my business. Because sounds... I would want to encourage people to have families. That sounds great, unless you have a, a business that's like barely getting by, right? And you have an employee, and that employee wants to not work for a year because they want to have a baby. But and you're like, are these? What the- are the trade-offs? Is the trade-off that you get to keep your career and my business is fucked because I have to pay you and you don't work? Yeah, uh, but are these? I mean, I think more and more the big corporations are offering big that, corporations. Yeah, yeah they are but, offering this kind of stuff. Well, that's great if you're like. We saw the the day in the life of a Twitter employee. I don't think it should be mandatory. Have you seen the day in the life of a Twitter employee video? No. I posted it. Oh, well. But go to, go to Twitter. <laughs> I posted it today. It's uh, Libs of TikTok. Aaron? This girl who worked at Twitter posted how great it is to work at Twitter. This is a day and it's wild because it's not a job. Yeah. I mean, there's the, <laughs> you know the Project Veritas video where they caught this guy saying that he works four hours a month? Oh, Wow. <laughs> I don't or understand four hours why a week or I didn't whatever understand it was. why they needed so many people. They don't. But watch it. Play this. Play this. Welcome it's kind of... to a day in my life as a Twitter employee. This so this past yeah. week went to SF for the first time at a Twitter office, badged in. Honestly, took a moment to just soak everything in. What a blessing. Also started my morning off with an iced matcha from the perch. Then I had a meeting, so quickly scheduled one of these little pod rooms which were so cool they're literally noise canceling took my meeting got ready for lunch look how delicious this food looks oh my goodness i was so overwhelmed then made my way down to this log cabin area i don't know what this is but it was really cool played some foosball with my friends to kind of unwind a bit um, unwind tough day also found this really <laughs> my cool meditation call. room that i thought was room. super neat um, I didn't do any yoga, but they have this yoga room if you are a yogi, so also thought that was really cool. Um, had a couple more meetings in the afternoon, had a ton of projects that we needed to knock out. Say hey to my teammates. Um, went to the went to the library to kind of get some more work done. Obviously had to have our afternoon coffee, so made some espresso. And then before leaving for the day, had some red wine um, that's on tap. Went up to the rooftop and just honestly enjoyed the beautiful weather. <laughs> so awesome trip! Wow, <laughs> amazing! She did one meeting. That's a six-figure salary, kids. You could be so lucky to have a job that doesn't really exist, and you get wine on tap, and you get espressos and green matcha tea, and you get to go to the meditation room because you got to unwind. Well, they can afford to give people a year off then because they, they clearly don't need clearly. them. Yeah, but I'm I don't think it should be mandatory. I just think it it should be supported. A year off. Yeah. A well, year. if it's a company like that that's throwing money away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a mother should. I was back to work at six weeks, but I own my own business. Right. right. So, 
trade-offs. Well, that's <laughs> the thing, though. Like, wouldn't do you have the money to take a year off with your own business? Um, no. So would <laughs> would a business have Maybe. the money to allow you to take a year off if they were an employee and they relied on you? Um, I would. Would my business allow me to take a year off? I feel like I could maybe do it, but I would probably have to fire someone. <laughs> yeah. And but then there's I'm, the other thing. It's like... I'm not a big business. Like, I'm not pulling in... So big businesses should have enough money that they could afford to pay people even if they're not working. I mean, isn't isn't it supported by the government in places where it's supported? Like in Germany, isn't it the isn't the government supporting the women taking that year off? So you think that's what should happen? I think there should be some support. Sure, but like for how long? Like maybe a year's not enough. Maybe you should no, just a year. Do you know that um, at certain businesses, like there's a, a business. I don't even want to say the name of the business, but uh, my friend uh, works at this business, and they said that male employees get paternity leave of 18 months. Male employees. What do the females get? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But male employees. Six months. So (laughs) he was saying that, look, conceivably, I could knock my wife up once a year. Not only that, but during that time, your um, colleagues, if they get raises and advances, you're not supposed to be denied those raises and advances. Oh, wow. So you're not working for 18 months. You continue to get raises. And if you knock up your wife again, like a year later, you could have Irish twins, right? A year later, knock up your wife again. You keep getting money, keep getting raises. All you have to do is keep having babies. How do you support the family, though? I mean, in how, how do you support not like your family, like the, the idea of having a family? What do you mean? How there's, you know, I think like part of the collapsing birth rates in particular in this country is that there's not much support for people to have families. Right. So how do you how do we encourage people to have families and support them like childcare? But I'm talking about the most ridiculous. aspect. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, I think my cousin and I mentioned this last time in Germany, she they get a year off and then he got I, nine months off. I think the male gets <laughs> Canada has a choice between 12 or 18 months. Wow. For everybody. I think so. So is it socialized? Uh, it's not. They have socialized health care. Is that but is it, government funded? What jobs like for all jobs? So like say if you work for say if you work for a podcast studio in in. Canada. In Austin. <laughs> in Canada, because this is not Canada. And your, I mean, is this for the male as well? Uh, My friend was talking about how ridiculous this it is. One actually yeah. They were saying, I get 18 months off. Well, that's 18 months for the man. Not for the woman, for the man. I need help. I need, I need help. Hmm. I mean. Well, you get help. The guy's not working. 18 months, and he gets raises. I, I would actually. What if everybody love does it? What if the whole the whole company's like, hey, Bob just got his wife pregnant. That's all you have to do. Uh, parental benefits are paid for a maximum of thirty five shared weeks plus five weeks of daddy days paid within a year of the birth or adoption of a child. In twenty twenty two, the weekly benefit rate is fifty five percent of the parent's average weekly insurable earnings, up to a maximum. Of six hundred and thirty-eight dollars a week before taxes. That's not a lot. who pays for that. And the, the other 
One was uh, Finland, I think. You got 80% of your pay for 480 days. But, but is, is that mandated for private businesses or is that government employees? I'm having a hard time getting that actual thing down because... Mm. Or it's, is it the government just pays for everybody? Look, ideally, it would be great if a woman could have a child and still have a career and give her enough time to recover and come back. Sure. Yeah. But, like, at what time? Like, I, you wouldn't want to come back my in two years. <laughs> my first— Two years, you have a toddler. Like, you want to be home with the kid. My first two two months of, like, after having the baby, I was like, feminism was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> How long is paternity leave in the U.S.? In the majority of states across the country, expectant new fathers are entitled to a period of 12 weeks. That's not unpaid job-secured paternity leave. Yeah, that's it's unpaid. unpaid. Yeah. My husband didn't well, get. He had time to take off. time off. So that's states. So that's state law. Expectant parents are entitled. Uh, but while time off is an expected right in the U.S., unpaid leave is simply too expensive for most families to afford. However, California, New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Rhode Island, motherfucking pop-ups, New York, uh, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Washington, Connecticut, and the District of Columbia have active paid parental leave policies. Other states like Colorado and Oregon have this policy in view, although it's yet to come into effect. Yeah, and like you have to have a certain number of employees. So my husband wasn't eligible because the business wasn't eligible because they didn't have. You have to have, I think, like fifty employees or something like that. So they figure once you have fifty employees, there's enough money rolling around that you can get to like give people time off. I mean, a month would have been nice. It's nice. Yeah, yeah it'd be great. I, I I didn't need much, but it's definitely I needed help with. You need a lot of help when you have that new baby. Federal employees receive 12 weeks of paid time off following childbirth or the placement of a child for adoption or foster care. These employees must have worked 12 months in part-time or full-time role in a federal service. That's federal employees. God, that's not even that's not that much. It's not that much. No, I, not I was, compared to other countries. No, I was just, you're just kind of, that fourth trimester is really something I wish I had known more about before I, it was one of those things that they say like the fourth trimester is that three, first three months when you're postpartum and it's gnarly. You're like recovering you're trying to manage the baby. And, and the baby's not sleeping and you're not sleeping because the baby's not sleeping. No, she, yeah. and colic, I mean, God bless anyone out there who had a child with colic. You only know if you know, but that, that was, that was so. Explain colic to people. So it's inconsolable. There's actually like a rule of threes. I'm writing a whole piece about it because it was so mind-blowing. But they, they, it's inconsolable crying for no apparent reason. The baby is okay. They're healthy. It's just in. a lot of people say it's witching hour, but it's colic is specific in that it's they say it's the rule of threes. More than three hours of crying a day, three at least three days a week for at least three weeks. And if your baby's doing that, then they probably have colic. And... My child started crying around four weeks, and that's generally around when it will start or appear, and just, it was like six weeks of it. And it's hours of crying? Uh, hours. Hours. And you comfort them? And there's no console. It's so heartbreaking as a new parent. Mm. It's like, I, I, I don't know how, first of all, any single parent out there, male, female, who's doing this, I don't know how you do it. You deserve awards and accolades. And 
I don't I don't know how anyone single does this because I, I could not have done it. I mean, maybe I could have, but it 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 was it was my husband and I had to tag out. They the piece I'm writing, I was when I went down the rabbit hole of colic, I was like, "Oh my god, they use inconsolable crying babies to in Guantanamo to train the operatives to like resist um, torture, essentially. And that's one of the things they were using. How do they do that? They would play crying babies. They play would play the- recordings of crying babies crying inconsolably for hours. Yeah, it's- but that's not the same as an actual baby, especially a baby that's yours. I know. You have this, uh, but it still drives people attachment. insane. Oh, okay. It's still like, it's still something that drives people crazy. Oh, it- so you're saying they do that instead of torture? They, they're, yeah, they, they do it to, it's one of the things that are, they use as torture to train oh, these people to resist it. I see what you're saying. Because I'm like, this is crazy. It was, it was so, we would have to like, you know, take shifts and every night you get anxious and it's, it's hard as a new parent because you don't, you feel like a failure. You're just like, I, but right. I also think it's kind of a good hazing into parent, parenthood where you're like. There's some things that are just out of my control, right? But it, it's, it's it's a whole thing. There's I didn't know what it was, and I I like heard about it, and then people in my life who had had it were like, I put I said something on Twitter, and someone was like, I was like, anyone have any suggestions? And someone was like, I read this to my husband, and he shuddered. <laughs> like people who dealt with it have PTSD from it because it's so disturbing, just day after day. Yeah. It's it's hard. It was that was that was hard. That was like a that was definitely a fourth trimester. And thank God, and my husband was around at night. So thank God. The, the shift of who you are as a person after you have a child is a very dramatic, physical, psychological, emotional. It's it's in your DNA. There's yeah. a shift. You know, and that's why people freak out about people who don't have children trying to come up with ideas for what should happen to children. Yeah. What, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Mama Bear definitely is a real thing, despite what they might oh, say. Yeah. It's, it's real. It's, it's I, I understand. I That's why I was saying in the beginning, I just have eaten so much humble pie. There's so many people in my I, I, I was so, it's so cliche. Like, I was so self-centered, and when I was pregnant, I'm like, why didn't I listen? And sure, it wasn't applicable to me, but why didn't I pay attention when my sisters and sister-in-laws and all of my relatives and cousins were talking about what they went through when they had their child, you know, whether they had a C-section or a vaginal birth? I just, I know they told me these stories, and I was just not paying attention at all. And now and then I was like, tell me all your stories. I need everything. And on Instagram at night with anxiety, just trying to calm myself down and feeling really like just a piece of shit. (laughs) 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 Just a piece of shit. Because in so many ways, I I really was just like that cliche Jen. It's Xer who kind of was apathetic about all of it and was like, I, I, whatever, you don't know until you know. And I know that I can take a nap. And it's like, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Well, I look forward to your new perspectives. I'm looking forward to your writing and it's just a new way you approach things in your podcast. Because whenever someone encounters a, 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 just a, a radical change in the way they see the world, 
it's always fascinating for people who whose opinions I value and for people that have unique perspectives. I wrote this piece, I Regret Being a Slut, recently, and it went huge. And it's tapped into something. And people were like, oh, this is because you had a baby. And I'm like, no, I was regretting it before I had kids. <laughs> but I wanted to say it was something... I, there was one of your bits that you used to do all the time, and I'm not sure if you... you no, I don't do that bit anymore. It was about being a slut, and yeah. every time you did it, I would be like, I had to leave once and go to the bathroom when you're doing it, because I felt so... <laughs> I was like, what is coming up for me? I had to talk to my therapist about it. I'm like, there's this bit, and he do, every time he does it, I'm like, what? And we talked through it, and it was, it was that that was coming up, was like this regret about being a slut that I didn't feel like culturally I should have there's so much like slut walk and like be a proud slut and and just that is the culture that I came up in free the nipple we talked about um a a lot of the choices I made where I I felt so much shame and regret about and I just want to say thank you for that bit (laughs) (laughs) Because that was kind of the beginning of being able to crack. Because I'm not like one of those people who sees something in comedy that I don't like and I'm like, you're an asshole. If something comes up for me, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What What's that reaction all about? And I ended up writing this piece because Louise Perry wrote a book, The Case Against Se- Sexual Revolution. And it it kind of framed what I had been feeling. And it's brilliant. I think she's so brave for even writing it because there is... I feel like there is a, a lot of us like geriatrics or maybe late earlier millennia, later millennials, some Gen Xers who came up through the sexual revolution and were sold this idea of like, you can have sex like a guy, you can, and there's no consequence. And we're coming back, we're like, it's a trap, <laughs> go back. Well, you know, the weird thing that happened was the birth control pill. Yeah, technology. With, with many... There's many things that were weird about it. And one of the weird ones is it convinced your body that you were pregnant. Yeah. Which is really wild. It that is. we I mean the fact that we're you know, we're talking about introducing hormones into a person's body. Introducing hormones on a regular basis to a giant swath of the female population, it shifts the way you view people, the way you see things, everything. You, yeah. you view the world in a different way. And they've done studies that shows that it changes how a woman is attracted to different men. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've never heard that. I it hated cha- the pill. I hated it. It made me insane. It's, it's, I, one of a guy that I know, his daughter died uh, from blood clots what? Oh. when she was on the pill. Was she smoking? Yes. Oh, uh, they warn you about that. Yeah. Smoking and the pill, there's something about the combination of the two. Wow, that's horrific. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hated it. Every time I went on it, I was lunatic. I hated it. I hated the way it made me feel. I never really liked it, but it, it is the it unyoked sex from consequence for yeah. the first time. and. In human history. Yeah. And I don't, and like I said in this piece, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think I like being able to have a job and buy a house. Feminism is good. But this aspect of the sexual revolution in particular, I feel like has left a lot of women feeling empty and like something is missing and that they've been sold a bit of a lie, you know, years down the road when, um, 
Do you think it's like a thing like why do men get to live life like this? Well, they are free of consequences. Why can't I live like this? And then people just sort of reinforce that. I mean, Louise Perry was funny on the when she came on my podcast. She said, if you want to get mad at someone for being a misogynist, get mad at Mother Nature. <laughs> mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she's brilliant. And and I think I think her book gave people like me who felt that way. Like I was saying, hers is a pretty academic, and I was saying in my piece, like I, it's the conversation is a little bit like those sluts over there, not, and that book affected me like the in the the whatever like the part where you say who the book is for <laughs> Don't, the again mm-hmm. mom brain. Yeah. Um, she said for the women who learn the hard way and I read it and I just burst into tears. It just made, I mean, pregnancy hormones too, but that to me, I learned the hard way. You know, there's, and the emails I've got from people from that piece, women and men, gay men, um, it's been really crazy, like really overwhelming actually and, and remarkable just how much of an actual body count there is in this wake how much you love writing i do and that's probably one of the reasons why you love writing that it you uh, you could write a piece and it can have this sort of profound effect where people do they 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 read and it resonates with how they feel about stuff i love it for two reasons that being one because i everything i i've really been thinking a lot about the why of why i do things i love podcasting because i love connecting to people i love comedy because i love hearing people laugh it's like making making my daughter laugh is the best thing in the entire world and laughter is just so contagious and healing and i love writing because a lot of the time i don't there's some wisdom in my fingers and I don't I don't always know where I'm going with a piece. It took me years to write that piece. I regret being a slut. I was going to write it back in 2018 and I couldn't really frame it the right way. That that book helped me frame it and I also had enough time to sit and think and have podcast conversations about it where I think a lot of the thinking that we do in this is in real time. You know, yeah. you're just like working stuff out. Right. And people need space to do that. They need to be able to work out their ideas, have their ideas challenged. And writing is where I get to sit down and really try and be thoughtful about a lot of the information that I might have been taking in. And, yeah, there is still something that is resonant about it. And I like the idea that it's kind of like time traveling. Like somebody could read that and I'd be dead Mm. and they'd be brought back to another. That's how reading always feels to me. You can go into the science fiction or the future, or the past. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I think of all the things I do, that one comes the most naturally. But that's why I'm excited to have started like Substack, where I feel like I can lean into that more. It forces me to to produce. No, that's awesome, Bridget. I appreciate you very much. I love You're awesome. you. I love you to death. Thank you. Um, tell people how they can watch your stuff, read your stuff. Um, you can find me on Substack, Bridget Fetacy. You can find me on YouTube. Please, everybody, go subscribe to my YouTube channel and prove these people wrong. It's at Fetacy and Dumpster Fire's there. You can find my podcast, Walk-Ins Welcome, uh, anywhere podcasts are available. And you can find me on Twitter and now Instagram. Yay. I see you're on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm it. on Twitter now, too. 
Oh, you're back. I'm back. All I'm, right. I'm posting now that it's free. Hell yeah. Comedy's now legal on Twitter. Woo-hoo! Elon Musk. Woo! Bye, everybody. Bye.